Hi, I'm Liam O'Rourke, and when it comes to presenting today, I want to be more Nick Hancock than Ray Combs, more Paul Merton than Art Donovan, and much more Frank Skinner than fucking Rob Bartlett. I'm Carl Jones, and I can't wait for this week where we send a bunch of wrestlers down to a dark cave place that we like to call Room 101, or as it's known in the wrestling fraternity, Sonny's Box. I'm G. John Chase. I'm going to be honest with you folks, I watched the Sunny porn. Yeah, it wasn't very good. She's so fat. So, so fat. Honestly, at the start, for a second then, I thought the guy was fucking Rikishi. And I'm Kieran O'Rourke. Off air on last week's show, I made a disparaging remark about Sasha Banks, and I am very regretful for it. Sasha, I have seen the air of my ways, and we are still soulmates. FYI, I miss you, baby. This is the panel for the 76th Squared Circle Gazette Radio, and you can hear us discuss which wrestlers and personalities need to go into Room 101 next. Welcome to the 76th Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside G. John Chase, Carl Jones, Yo. and Kieran O'Rourke. I'm still not over Connor. Well, uh, it's going to take some time, Kieran. It's going to take some time. Don't you worry. But uh, we are back this week here at SCG Radio because uh, a good friend, Steve Rich, a.k.a. Air Raid on the UK Fan Forum, suggested this show this week, uh, Room 101, a TV show here in the United Kingdom, for those of you listening overseas, uh, where basically uh, things are suggested to go into Room 101, basically trying to uh, banish them from history, put them into oblivion, purgatory, whatever you like to say. Of course, uh, Room 101 is a reference to George Orwell's 1984, where uh, Room 101 consists of... Of the worst thing in the world. So uh, that's what we're looking to do here today. We're going to. So uh, Russo then. Well, he's so going to. Russo already in there. He might get a mention throughout the show. I'm not going to, you know, jump the gun here, but I will say that the format for this show, for those of you listening, is that uh, obviously four of us around the table here is going to take a majority vote to exile Ooh. somebody into room 101. Shit. So uh, you have a yes, a no, or a nil vote. So if you, if you don't want to vote, you don't have to, but it is always going to be majority of the people who do vote that gets you into room 101 here today. What so, happens on a tiebreaker? Then they don't go in. Oh. It's, it's got to be majority. For those of you who are long time listeners, Squared Circle Gazette Radio has done a number of court cases in the past which you can go back and listen to at squaredcirclegazette.com that's a lot harder to get into than I feel Room 101 will be today obviously we're talking about wrestlers and wrestling personalities on this show today and as always you the loyal listeners have come back with a litany a barrage of uh, different candidates 60 different candidates over 14 pages of feedback an immense number of people to talk about we're going to get to as many as we can throughout the course of the show but before we do get to them quick programming note for the next two weeks next week's show we are going to be returning to our fantasy booking as uh, we're going to be looking at fixing the WWE in the year 2006 a very interesting show we've done shows like this before Uh, again this is another recommendation from a listener and we will get to of course everything uh, Raw Smackdown ECW perhaps from 2006 WWE perhaps in an effort to see if we can make a, a better go of things than they did in 2006 in real time. So let's kick it off with, of course, appropriately enough, Air Raid suggestion. Who says, I thought long and hard about who I'd put in, but in the end had to go with a wrestler that is like eczema for the eyes, Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the WWF. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm tainted by the first show I ever saw being WrestleMania 6, where I saw this bloke being cheered despite obviously being a cheating bastard that liked to hit people with his plank to win matches. I took a dislike to him straight away and found it oddly satisfying watching Earthquake sit on him three times in the aftermath of the Bravo match. Bear in mind, during Earthquake's match earlier, Gorilla and Jesse had made it clear that Quake was sending men to the hospital, and as he kept dropping on Duggan, I found myself thinking, I hope this bloke goes to the hospital, he's a twat. 
It didn't stop there, however. Catching up on WWF shows to get me up to speed with the present as I was getting into wrestling, Duggan was shitting up shows with piss-poor matches. I hated him. He served no purpose. His matches were utterly shit, and most of the time he wouldn't even let a heel get any real heat by beating him. He'd just hit them with his board and get disqualified. What a pillock. Seriously, the guy was protected as well as Hogan. Four Survivor Series in a row, he only got eliminated by count out or hitting people with his wood in front of the ref. <laughs> Nobody pinned him on pay-per-view between Mania 4 and King of the Ring 93 when he was on the way what? out. Five fucking years. Even when he was in the ring with a fucking Undertaker, at the peak of his unstoppable heel run on the Albert Hall show, getting disqualified because of his fucking plank. Seriously, one guy gets a little bit by Cobras and on the take Tony takes immediate action, but Hacksaw was hitting people with his 2 by for all the fucking time and just got away with it. I genuinely don't see any benefit to Duggan's WWF run not being obliterated. Anything he was involved in at any point would have been better with a different mid-card babyface in the same spot at the same time. Steamboat, Jake the Snake, Bossman, Bulldog, even fucking Beefcake! I acknowledge I may have lost you at this point. <laughs> uh, yes, he <laughs> yes, he allowed Yokozuna to beat him up a bit in the early days, but I don't think that achieved anything that Fat Lad hadn't already managed by clobbering Virgil, winning the Rumble, battering Savage on TV, and a dozen other squashes. He was a tosser. He did nothing good, and every time I watched him, I just wanted to be flexible enough to kick my own teeth in, so the pain took my mind off Hacksaw wrestling on my screen. Just fuck off. I've clarified his WWF run because he wasn't as tiresome for Watts, and without his WCW run, we wouldn't get that magnificent heel Goldberg match where Big Ball Bill tried to beat cancer back into him. That was a hoot and a holler, he says. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious as to what people see about this one. He did specify, and of course, this is something we threw out on the, on the, uh, in the feedback, doesn't have to be a person necessarily. It can be a, a, a certain period of time from a wrestler's career, a certain body of work so from like a company. They disappear from this point on kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. And the, the example I mentioned on the, on the forums was the, uh, like, for example, the American badass Undertaker run, for example. So that kind of thing is what we're looking for here. I think it, it's a it's a fairly apt description. He's he's almost like the babyface equivalent of Bad News Brown in in, in that period. <laughs> um, and what a match at Mania Five that was, by the way. Oh, jeez, yeah, that was a that was a tie I wasn't intending. Oh, mm. that, br that brings back real painful memories. He, he gets pops because he does the USA chant. He's got the flag and all and all that jazz. But there's no no one in their right mind could convince me that if you took him away from that period, it would. You know, severely affect your enjoyment of wrestling. Um, <laughs> his what stuff wasn't wasn't too bad at its moment, so I'm glad he just went for this period. Though I I would I would make a case for the WCW I run would as well. Absolutely, make mm. a case for the WCW run. A any upside of that Bill Goldberg match is is uh, thwarted by many many bouts featuring Big Bubba Rogers, Meng, and Berlin from uh, Four Brawl, and one which we will never talk about on this show. Yes. Well, I'm gonna. The eyes in for me. He sucks. <laughs> He's embarrassing to your friends if they see you watching this fucking guy. This is what wrestling is. This fucking douchebag. Cross-eyed prick. <laughs> and then, and then he beats Steve Austin in like no. sixty seconds. <laughs> yes, that's happened. that's the one. It didn't happen. So yeah. Okay, tuxedo death match in UWF can't be included in this. That was all because I've been taking the piss out of McGregor, isn't it? I'm just speaking facts. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's uh, that's a yes from Kieran. Is that a yes from you, Carl, for WWF? Affirmative. G, come on. I I think I know where your thoughts are on this. He can shove that two by four up his ass and pogo his way through the fucking door. He's into room one oh one. There's nothing. There's nothing more I can say that I haven't already said in previous podcasts or that uh, Air Raider said uh, so eloquently himself. I think uh, no, it's absolutely fair to say, Kieran. You have to mention the uh, the uh, the Austin beating Austin because that is no, the biggest. We don't. He does. It's because it's the it's the biggest 
crime <laughs> on the sheet, okay? If someone does, you know, you know, if someone does like multiple crimes and at the top is murder, you don't, you don't leave that bit out, do you? You know, when you're sentencing him, it's like, no, the fucker did murder. He's going down. How long was it? 26 seconds. Oh, fuck. Maybe. It might have been less than that, actually. I, I doubled the time, Carl. Half, half of that 26 seconds was uh, Austin joined with uh, Nick Bockwinkle. Hey. So. All right, so that's three to uh, that's three from you guys. So he's in regardless of whether I want him in or not. You but better I, put him in. <laughs> but I do want him in. 4 nil. First one on the board. Thank you, Jim Duggan. Yeah. Hoe your ass on out the door. Yeah. <laughs> A fairly easy one to pin in, I feel. I know some people might like Jim Duggan from personal childhood nostalgia. I don't Family have members. that. Yes. But uh, this one's a little bit of a surprise, and not only was it a surprise he got mentioned, but he actually got the joint most mentions of anybody, Dolph Ziggler. Kicking it with huh? the kicking it with a click on the UK fan forum says, I hate his half-eaten bowl of noodles haircut, his <laughs> Billy Gunn knockoff short tights, his Brian Pillman knockoff long tights, that shitty denim waistcoat and headband thing he wears now. Everything about his look is just shit. Then there's the way he's only ever really been over when he was paired up with two of the most overrated and annoying female characters of the last ten years, AJ Lee and Vicky Guerrero. He has absolutely no idea about the concept of selling. See every ladder match he's ever been in as an example. Particularly that one ladder match where he took that stupid bump over the announced table, then was running up a ladder not selling the injury five minutes later. Then there's his pandering to the Smarks, who somehow treat him like he's one of the indie darlings like Brian Punk, Styles or Steen, when he's in reality a complete WWE creation just like Roman Reigns, who they boo out the building every week. Then there's his Twitter handle, at Heel Ziggler, when he's a fucking babyface. They should have never let him out of that crate when DX sent him and the rest of the Spirit Squad back down to OVW. In fact, Charvo should have just caved his head in with a five iron. He's beyond shit. Into room 101 with him. Not J Tab from Pro Wrestling Only says he's just terrible. Horrific overbumping that takes all the attention away from the guy giving the move. Offense that either looks weak as shit or is a super kick. The dirt worst, <laughs> smarmy, unlikable promo in the entire WWE. Everything about him makes me want to cheer his opponent to beat his stupid faux hair metal pot noodle head face in watching him in the Rusev feud was absolutely unbearable the guy had no concept of how to come across as a likeable human being all of this and his twitter handle is at heel ziggler which just makes him look like a tit and at riley on wrestlingforum.com says every movement he makes annoys me he goes from being a cocky great at everything guy to a whiny little bitch about everything and then on last week's raw he tries to come out and be a badass against the authority and i just don't buy it one bit the way his face looks is stupidly <laughs> His stupidly sized jaw, the stupid expressions he makes, how he's always chewing gum, the way he flops around in the ring, and he came out one week with eyeliner on and looked like a transsexual. Not that I have any problem with that if that's the look you're going for, but he was not. I can't stand him. And uh, there are a couple of other mentions of Dolph Ziggler as a candidate here, but uh, those are the more uh, offensive ones of the bunch. That was, um, I dare say, more visceral than our prosecution of CM Punk. <laughs> that was a violent, violent dissection of the man. It was. Um... Though I'm glad to see that in some respects I'm not alone in my thinking. Oh, okay. In the sense of his current get-up is like something out of an 80s hairband. It is yeah. Oh, he's straight out of steel pants. And, <laughs> but, well, it's, not, it's not really a gimmick. Though, That's his look. It's his look. He just looks a mess. Um, <laughs> and I do think he is a terrible, terrible baby face. He doesn't sell particularly well or, as uh, email has referenced there, at all in some cases. It just involves a sort of an elaborate bump and that's all, all that counts for selling in, in Dolph Ziggler's world he's not a good babyface promo I'm glad someone picked up on the, on the Rusev angle because god knows I was cheering Rusev throughout that that being said I'm going to vote no to put him in because this to me the sort of the case made there wasn't just about how he's cast as a babyface it was just more general at least that's how I interpret it yeah, me too. and I think there is a perfectly serviceable role 
for Dolph Ziggler, placed as a heel. You put him in that heel disposition, I've got no problem with having him on a roster whatsoever. The way he dies as a babyface, you know. Yeah, that, that's ki- fucking it, It's much more obvious as a babyface. As a, as a heel, he's clear that Mr. Perfect inspired Bump Machine yeah. and Dead Cell, which is fine in some respects, because that's kind of the, the size he is anyway, that's fine. And it works for that babyface fire comeback, doesn't it, where you want things to be a bit quicker, to have a bit more of a snap to it. It makes sense in that regard. As a babyface taking that first bump and then just being dead, and then, as was mentioned there, in some of those ladder matches, running like a rat up a drain pipe to, to get to the belt, it's just, uh, yeah, it makes you shake your head sometimes yeah again the, the same the promos and their changeability totally agree I put, I put a lot of that down to the shit he's given mm, yeah um, but again yeah it's a no for me because you know as a heel he's a lot more valuable he's not someone I would want to disappear so no he's, he's, he's alright I used to be a big fan um, he's kind of lost his way especially as, as the face thing no not for me yeah three no's geez that's the fourth from you um I absolutely agree with what uh, the, the other guys have said in terms of um, the, the the baby face run is a kind of real you know kind of sticking in my craw really because it's just like it was blatant they turned him because he was he was he was popular as a heel he hasn't benefited from this run at all uh, the Rusev obviously you know everyone's pointed out to that uh, I also think just anything he's doing like right now um, you know like going up against Kevin Owens and stuff was just uh, it it just doesn't mix right and so uh, I can see where why people would. Uh, be upset with his style in terms of like the over bumping and but no selling aspect to it but I also feel a lot of uh, my kind of general indifference to him now has stemmed from his booking his quite inconsistent booking and so um, I'll, I'll agree with all you guys I say no because I'm thinking anyone that goes into room one on one has to be people that severely piss me off yeah, but Ziggler I don't feel that way about him I feel more frustrated about Ziggler Pat Dooley on the Facebook page says for me the answer to this question would be hardcore spark plug Thurman Bob Holly every instance where I can vaguely remember maybe being entertained by a segment he was in it was because of someone else early hardcore division matches Al Snow made them fun super heavyweight angle crash carry the whole thing his early tag teams with one two three kids and bodacious Bart bad examples but they were never entertaining <laughs> to make matters worse not only was he a horribly bland in-ring performer he was also by nearly all accounts a giant bag of throbbing dicks in human form he beat the hell out of a trainee he tried to make Brock look foolish by deadweighting him forgetting that Lesnar is literally a rhinoceros capable of walking on his hind legs and he did all of that protecting his spot when he literally never enhanced the product by being present on it a gaping black hole of entertainment put him in the room unleash the rats make him love big brother break his back make him humble fuck him <laughs> Bob Holly's presence on this planet kind of chaps my ass. <laughs> I'm going to go no on this one. I, I, which may surprise people, but it's just like, to me, there's a, there's a category of people we're going to talk about today where they're just there. <laughs> they're just there. They don't offend me by being so awful. Like, Duggan was awful for a long time. You wouldn't want to put him in for the Matt Capitelli beatdown? That's a kick to the face. Get over it, kid. <laughs> like, this has been worse. <laughs> this has been worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say no, but I, I, can, I think I know where this is going to go anyway. The only time I have ever found Bob Holly remotely entertaining was when he called Gangrel Count Chocula and called him a fat bastard. <laughs> outside <laughs> of that, big shot. That wasn't too out, bad. outside of that, his career and you could argue his life may as well have never happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do put him in there for the Capitelli beatdown. I think that's just someone taking liberties. You're right, Lim. There has been far worse, but it's just unnecessary and just goes to show what a prick he really Trying is. Trying to get himself over on the, yeah. uh, the reality TV show being a bastard. Fuck you, yeah. Bob. He's just a dick, so throw him in there. Throw him in the room, lock it behind him, and suck the air out of it. And I'll be laughing, possibly with my trousers down, completely enjoying it. He's in. So there you go, that's two. That took a dark turn. Yeah. A very dark turn. 
Ship Canal on Pro Wrestling Only says, The Honky Tonk Man. Now, don't get me wrong, I like me some blonde bombers in Memphis, and however dog shit much of his work was as the delusional Sub Elvis, there were a few genuinely memorable and satisfying instances of him getting his comeuppance which still resonate. But he has since managed to stand out even amongst the incredibly crowded environment of big mouths for hire that clog up the oversaturated shoot interview market. While he's far from the only wrestler of his generation who makes me feel genuinely skin crawly, the way in which he goes about expressing himself in these shoots just seems so incredibly aggressive, snide, mean-spirited, and bullying. He comes across as the kind of bloke who gets off on twisting the knife and revels in his own proclivity to shock and offend, and these days, I find that both boring as fuck and supremely pathetic. You can argue he's working us all and playing a part, sure, but I'm genuinely unconvinced a lot of that generation know where their characters end and where their real selves begin anymore, as the Hogan-Gorka trial has only made more clear. Also, his hair freaks me out. I can't, I can't, I can't comprehend the quiff, mutton chops, shoulder length ponytail combination, and I'm a man that likes to adequately comprehend a person's haircut because I'm riddled with anxiety and these things are important. <laughs> the honky tonk man. What do you think about this? I think there's a lot of people that would probably be quite unhappy if we put him in just based on the fact that he's kind of one of those 80s characters you go back on and it's kind of like, ah, the honky tonk nah. man, you know? The greatest intercontinental champion he's of all time. Wacky, he's alright. I haven't seen any of the shoot interviews, so I can't be offended by them. So, so does this get a nil vote from you? It's a nil point. Okay, me. nil vote from you. So it comes down to us three, Carl, G, me. Uh, yeah, so some of the stuff. There's one I saw with him and Raven. Where uh, I guess they're going through like the sleeves thread or something like that, and like they mentioned this story when a dynamite slapped him in the dressing room and he cried in front of everybody, and uh, Honky does this big spiel about how dynamite's only got one leg now, and you know it's like that's really kind of uncomfortable to see. I think mocked Jim Ross's face at one point, so that's that always gets you know bad points for me. So uh, I'll actually go yes on this one. Plus, because I never really liked Honky Tonk Man that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Jim Ross comments on the shoot interview are what I immediately thought of when uh, when the emailer referenced those yeah he, he almost comes up with some outlandish shtick just to I do think workers to an extent but like the emailer said it's pathetic and uncalled for in most respects um, sort of the moral side of it I'm throwing him in there just because he ended Ricky Steamboat's IC title <laughs> <laughs> and okay. I got stuck with 18 was it 18 months or whatever fucking long it was, it was long of an enough. abysmal IC title run that he's been able to shill a career off ever since yeah. and more to the point who the fuck does he think he is when he d- re- refuses to do a job for Randy Savage oh yeah I love that. Oh, well, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> no, there you go. Refuses to do a job for the macho man. Just how inflated can your sense of self-worth be? Your lack, <laughs> your lack of awareness about your place in the world. Fuck you, Honky. <laughs> Interim 101 from Carl. It's a, it's a nil from Kieran, a yes from you, and no uh, yes from me. So that's, that's a majority. Do you want to chime in here, or are you, uh, you happy with the two? Well, I, I was going to basically say I don't give a shit. <laughs> Two shits, but then Carl's has convinced me with that fucking shit about Mandy Savage. The fucking prick. He, 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 obviously you're not aware of the story then, G. The original plan, and it worked out well in the end for Savage. He was originally supposed to drop the IC belt to Savage. Uh, He refused to do it, held the belt up, said he wasn't prepared to do it, and wasn't prepared to be repackaged by the company. Threatened to go to Crockett. And threatened to go to Crockett and made uh, made calls to, uh, to try and get the ball rolling on that. Yeah, and then in the end, basically, Vince powed down to him, I guess, and uh, let that happen, and then to kind of acquiesce Savage. Savage got the world title he was originally going to get at SummerSlam 88 instead. Got it Mania, so all worked out for Savage in the end. Still don't like it, still goes in. Yeah, on on general principle, yeah. There you go, Honky's in. 
75% so far. <laughs> Otto Denvans on the UK fan forum says, Jeans and crap music David Boy Smith in 1999. What a waste of space that man had become. <laughs> Providing us with precisely one memorable moment by lobbing a bin at Stephanie McMahon's head, asking where his world title shot was. <laughs> He had no good matches and moved around like an out-of-shape, slow and grimacing older cousin of his 1992 vintage, presumably out-of-his-nut-on-drugs, to mask the pain. From being the hero of these shores in 92 to a washed-up loser seven years later, it's not something I'm pleased to have seen at all. So I'd be made up if we could put that period of his in the bin and just remember the good times instead. So this is a hardcore champion, David Boy Smith. This one he was like crazy pilled up all the time. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he looked like a zombie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeans wearing. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Hang- hanging out with a Mean Street posse. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to argue. I think it's a yes for me. I almost don't want to put him in because a lot of it stems from how absolutely fucked his back was by that point. And, and what ended up happening like three years later, you know? So... It- I suppose as long as we're confining it just to that period, I, I can acquiesce yeah, yeah, and say, "Yeah, okay, go on." Yeah, but just take it easy because he's got a bad back. Don't don't push him through the door. So it's just the shitty period, not just, Davy Boy himself. No, just the jeans. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, the jeans. Just just alone, just not just for him, but just for the. That fucking music was atrocious. So yeah, that's that's a four and straight out, Davy Boy. So that's uh, that that's. Eighty percent oh. in so far. And I don't know if I'm, I, I, this is maybe just like false memory syndrome or something like that. But like with the jeans, he had the boot. Yeah. Didn't he have like white socks? Yeah, so socks made yeah. it straight off the building site. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's <a> great look. <laughs> <laughs> Pillbridge from WrestlingForum.com says, Charmel. I remember my interest was feigning in wrestling in the early to mid-2000s, but I still had a casual interest in the product and was aware as to what was going on on Raw and SmackDown. Then Booker T became King of the Ring. Fantastic, I thought. He's getting a big push and might be a world champion with a bit of luck. Then I heard her, screeching week in, week out, King Booker. King Booker. I remember there was a few weeks in a row I knocked off the television when she let out that banshee cry. And then I just remember not going back for a very long time. I'm sure there were other factors as to why I stopped watching, something I loved for nearly five years, but I can't remember them now. All I can clearly remember is the screeching and thinking, this isn't even heat, it's just bad. So, Queen Charmel, I suppose. <laughs> this may come as a shock coming from me, but I'm going to say no. Mm, okay. I mean, because if, if we're going to go by the uh, tone or the octave of a woman's voice in wrestling, then we're pretty much going to put every woman who's ever been involved in wrestling in the promo. room. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... How, how big is this room one I want to fit all these people in if we, if we go by that barometer? But uh, not as much as I didn't like her, I hated the sort of the whole package of that gimmick. I hate, you know, I hated Booker T during that period. I know, yeah. I know a few people who, who liked him. I'd like to know what they were smoking and why they never shared it with me. <laughs> but uh, but I'm, I'm going to say no. She was, she was bad, but it was never sort of thrust in my face constantly throughout shows in the same way that sort of Vicky Guerrero was in, in her early years with the company. I'm going to say no too. Just not, just not offensive enough for me. I know, I've always got... Booker T's got his charm when he's being wacky, so I'll just I associate her with some Booker T wackiness. Yeah, that's all right in my book. Didn't doesn't offend me. No, nothing against it really. Yeah, same here. I'm going to say no as well. I mean, because you know, I'm I'm using so far Hacksaw and Bob Holly as the measuring stick around here, and she, <laughs> and she no way measures up to that. 
And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with Kieran. I mean, like, I, I personally wasn't completely fond of the King Booker gimmick, but I get like it was in terms of his WF career one of his one of his highlights, I guess, because he he did get the world title from it. So what he probably personally uh, feel and. Uh, the one thing, I, even how bad <laughs> the uh, the gimmick might have been, I always uh, I always kind of have to admire uh, Booker T's dedication to it, and just like the absolute ridiculous nature in which he overacts it, yeah. and which Charmel, yeah, and which Charmel, you know, kind of amplifies that. So it's just like it's just this completely cheesy, over egged class one hundred and one from the Vincent Mann school of ham <laughs> acting. So it's like, yeah, it, it, no, it doesn't offend me enough to get yeah, it. Give me wacky Booker over series Booker as a commentator or analyst yeah. any day. Yeah, <laughs> over, over shucky ducky quack quack. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Charmel and Booker as a heel combination are actually yeah. really good together. They're actually, like the best thing on SmackDown yeah. until they did the King of the Ring, and then they started doing yeah. the, the over the over hoke. The King Booker thing was only memorable for two positives. I think there are two good things the whole way through, which is when, obviously, like you mentioned there, geez, there's the English accent all the way through. Until, <laughs> no, until, <laughs> until Teddy Long puts in a match at the Undertaker and he just completely drops and he's like, hell no, you're not putting me there with Taker, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is when uh, they did the segment on SmackDown when he knighted Finley and Regal and Regal <laughs> sold it like he's about to cry. <laughs> William Regal, that was a great man. Uh, Anarchist XX on Pro Wrestling Only says, BJ Whitmer. Fuck him and fuck his lank greasy ponytail. Don't think I've ever watched anyone with less charisma. Awful in the ring. No idea how to structure a match. Had the occasional passable garbage match, usually involving his immensely punchable face torn open by barbed wire. But other than that, you could see him blatantly trying to have these work-rate classics as the crowd and viewers gave zero fucks, because he never gave anyone a single reason to care about him. Couldn't cut a promise to save his life, or have a decent match that didn't involve a ton of props and someone a million times more talented at the other side of the ring. That Jimmy Jacobs feud was wasted on him. I, I see... I, I see his frustrations because I always thought the same thing I was a huge fan of ROH in 2006 I thought it was the best year they ever had and BJ Whitmer just kind of stands out like he just there's nothing there's nothing there there's nothing tangible to BJ Whitmer yeah that, that CZW ROH feud it almost seemed like you know it's like the old Sesame Street thing one of these things is not like the others one of these things doesn't belong and it yeah. just so happens that in this case it's BJ Whitmer yeah. but um, a willingness to power bomb Jimmy Jacobs into the crowd and uh, and do some he did some crazy shit don't get me wrong but uh yeah, again. Oh, he was he was definitely a tryhard, wasn't he? he? He tried hard, God bless him, and you know CM Punk did uh, did fuck his wife allegedly, but um, well, he's one of the many, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it almost the way you were phrasing it there, Liam, sort of struck me as well. He was just sort of there, yeah, really. He, he, he's, he's in that role I mentioned before about how I personally didn't put Bob Holly in because he's just a, he's just a meh. Mm. B.J. Whitmer's a meh. He's not room one hundred and one. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. He was, you know, I, I can't say I liked him, but by the same token, he never did anything to really irritate me or annoy me in any way. So I'm, I'm going to say no. Didn't ambush a rookie. I'm putting him in because his name's BJ. <laughs> of all the things you could choose to call yourself in this business, stupid fucking name. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. It's like, it's like the blackjacks put BJ on their tight. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what are you, what are you asking for there? So we've got a yes from Kieran, a no from Carl, a no from me. So G, unless you were, uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's, he's not getting in. Who? There you go. So that's <laughs> a nil vote from G. And with that, we are ready for the next one on the list. Matt Applin on the Facebook page says, I thought long and hard about this one. My first thought, would, would this adversely affect the business? Secondly, would anyone miss this person? Both situations pointed to no. My pick to be flung into 101 is a man who, when you look up the phrase, riding somebody's coattails, all it has is a picture of him. This individual received recognition undeserving of someone his level of mediocrity. This individual was pushed and given main event status purely through his association with a top star in the WWF. It's not Triple H, by the way. Oh. Uh, Triple H beats Mr. Perfect at Mania 6, thus ending ah! the perfect record. 
Oh, but it gets better. He then goes on to main event the WCW equivalent of WrestleMania in 94. All of this because he developed calluses on his knees from blowing the hookster for the past 50 years. Ladies and gentlemen, bid farewell to Ed Leslie, aka Brutus Beefcake, the barber, brother Brutite, the butcher, the Zodiac, the booty man, the disciple, Hogan's bitch. O-Dog on WrestlingForum.com says every incarnation of Ed Leslie. He's nothing more than a delusional tag-along that thinks he's bigger than he actually is. Fuck, I could have worked with Hogan in 85 and drew money, and I wasn't even born yet. Beefcake ain't special. Everybody in the Hogan crew, be it the Nasty Boys, Meng, or Jimmy Hart, all survived in wrestling and flourished in life without Hogan pulling them along. Beefcake couldn't go anywhere without Hogan, and he sucked as a wrestler. He probably sucked Patson's dick while Hogan <laughs> fucked him in the ass too. I'm not just annoyed by him, I hate that bastard. <laughs> I don't write them, folks, I just read them. John Haddock on the Facebook page says, I know when talking about this individual, the word wrestler is a bit of a stretch, but my pick is the ass-showing, brown-nosing, jizz-sponge of Hulk Hogan. I am, of course, talking about that booty beefcake twat bag, Ed Leslie. In what fucking universe does someone who looks like an 80s neon tampon become the first person to meet Mr. Perfect? Whose chode dick did he have to suck like he was trying to drain the Pacific Ocean to get featured next to the biggest draw of the 80s in Hulk Hogan? And the crowning turd in the water pipe is how did someone with no wrestling talent at all managed to main event a fucking Wrestlemania equivalent in Starcade. this man had no business in the wrestling business aside from being Hogan's bag carrier and I'm not talking suitcases here we're talking the scrotum people if he fell off the face of the earth I would not weep not even Hogan would in fact he saw to it to cut him out of the end of his own sex tape where he walked in afterwards and handed out breath mints and mopped up the mess with his bloody mullet throw this shite of a man into room 101 and forever rid us of any memory of this sad waste of oxygen Jeffrey D.R. Walsh on the Facebook page Page also says, all through his career he just struck me as being there to make up numbers. Why would a barber use garden shears to cut hair following that most spectacular finishes, the sleeper hold? A finish which was later updated to that finest of high spots, the jumping knee to the face. As you folks mentioned in one of your timeline episodes, he was announced as the newest member of the NWO on the same episode of Nitro as the Scott Steiner turn, taking the whole sheen of what would have been something massive and also opening the floodgates for the likes of Stevie Ray and Disco Inferno to put on the black and white. A final attempt at relevance has to be the time he was liberated from the NWO by Warrior to become the second member of the One Warrior Nation. <laughs> then again, if Brother Ed was any more of a Klingon, they'd have to stick a Cornish pasty on his head so there was still only one warrior. When X-Buck warned Hogan not to stop short in case Bischoff got lodged up his ass, I guess they edited out the line about having to remove the human suppository that is Ed Leslie. So, uh, some, some, some hatred for the most voted man <laughs> in, in this, uh, this podcast, Ed Leslie. I think it's all been said, really. I think so, too. <laughs> yes, from me. Yes. As for the high knee to the face, he's, he's just watching Jimbo Sarita tapes, I'm sure. I mean, Ed Leslie is living proof that there's no justice in the world. Think about this. Lincoln, assassinated. JFK, assassinated. Bobby Kennedy, assassinated. John Lennon, shot in the back and assassinated. Ed Leslie, wounded from the paragliding accident. <laughs> there is no justice in the world, folks. But we will try and bridge that gap by throwing him into room 101 along with the cocaine uh, anthrax yeah it's really annoying when someone just doesn't die and it, for me it, it's it's Ed Leslie for me it was it was just this guy and it, it's probably maybe because I was watching the uh, 98 uh, uh, Nitros the recently last week, you can go back well, and listen to it squares well, well, every time Hogan does a fucking promo Ed Leslie's just floating behind him like a stale fucking fart and it's just it, it's just everything was said beautifully by uh, John Haddock and so on of uh 
uh, how much of a cretin this guy is. The damage he has done to my eyes. Uh, the reason why I have to wear contacts is because of his uh, awful wrestling attire and the, uh, the times in which he's he's showing his ass with really his see-through tights whilst wearing trainers oh, as well. I do not, and, and yeah, yeah, with the, with the freaking shears as well. I'm pretty certain this guy is not a qualified barber. Mm. He's pretty much the Doctor Nick of uh, <laughs> of uh, you know hair salon. I just don't like his face. <laughs> He's oh, just got eyes. Or after the accident, uh, or both. Oh, when he first turns face. The big eyes. The big eyes. Me. His stupid face. His mullet. Stupid mullet. <laughs> the, the mask at Mania Nine was an improvement. No, he was still underneath it though. You still knew. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's 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 it's, it's an absolute categorical yes for Hogan's dick holster. <laughs> Slam dunk four and over beefcake. Get in room one hundred and one. <laughs> Yeah, baby, on Wrestling Forum, follows up with another Hogan hanger on Nasty Boy Brian Nobbs. <laughs> I've never been able to stand him in any incarnation. Absolutely awful wrestler, no charisma, scream at the camera promos, the fucking pit stop. His longevity in the business outright baffles me, even when he wasn't riding on Hogan's coattails. And at Rocco's Modern Life on WrestlingForum.com says, actually, both Nasty Boys, uh, their babyface run in the WWF, they're born to be nasty, let's pretend that face run didn't happen. Nasty boys or knobs? No, nah, both of them. Both of them. Like what, the one redeeming feature was that match with uh, Foley and Man Mountain Rock. Oh yeah, <laughs> Spring Stampede when they just beat the fuck out of each yeah. other. Yeah. Apart from that, no. Yeah. Okay. I was actually thinking about this recently. I was trying to think of every good Nasty Boys match I've ever seen. I could, I could literally count them on one hand and have a couple of fingers to spare. Heart Foundation at Mania Seven. Mm. Steiner's at Halloween Havoc. That brawl with Cactus and Max Payne. Uh, maybe the maybe the Sullivan and Cactus one too from being generous uh, they, they were the team I hated the most when I was a kid they were the team that I, I like, legitimately hated the most there were teams I cared about less like the Natural Disasters and the Bushwhackers but the team I hated were the Nasty Boys because they just every time they were on the screen it's like just fuck off you're awful so yeah a yes for me for both of them and the, yeah, the fucking pit stop yeah ah yeah again showing that to people who aren't, like, yeah. who aren't wrestling fans the, the epitome of white trash I think this could well be unanimous I'm going yes as well you know as if Brian Nobbs wrestling career isn't bad enough he also gets a guest starring role on Hogan knows best for some god knows yeah, reason weighing about 450 pounds and walking with the cane he's like the shit that won't flush only this time he's gonna flush no one I don't think it was mentioned in the comments yet just the like, his his general look his match quality his hygiene his promos his promos oh fuck's sake the, oh, way, right. the way he sweat yeah, yeah <laughs> his, his general health his general health offends me on every level, right? Uh-huh. His WF run, shit. His WCW run, shit. And let's not forget, the fucker got a job in TNA. Well, actually, then again, every, oh, yeah. every fucker got a job in TNA. <laughs> 2010, yeah, the yeah, yeah, He's a fucking TNA as well! From in! <laughs> yeah, but both of them go in for me. Rocco's Modern Life on WrestlingForum.com also said, El Matador. I absolutely love Tito and his work as Tito Santana, so it's not about dislike for Tito or his work as he was awesome, but he really wasn't keen on that gimmick and he deserved so much better, uh, which they shouldn't have done to Tito. He could have been so much more around that time. Tito is too good for that shit. Don't do it again. Uh, although, as you mentioned, said, don't do that shit again, I do love the fact that, you know, deep in the recesses of Vince's mind thought, let's do it again with two people <laughs> and a midget. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that ball. I know you love the ball. <laughs> that, that's what wasn't working last time. Yeah. Midget. Yeah, I must admit it, it's one that I'm fairly non nonplussed about either way. Really, in truth, it's it's not a good gimmick for him. Don't get me wrong, but his, his best days were behind him, and and he was never going to be. I think the email there said he deserved better, and by and large, he probably did. But 
you know, the damage had been done. He, he, he was pretty much a jobber to the stars before the El Matador gimmick, hence them repackaging him as El Matador. But I didn't find it particularly offensive. It was one of those things I'm very in, sort of indifferent to, so I'm mm. going to say no. Yeah, uh, the, the ship had kind of sailed, hadn't it, on TA, I guess. Yeah. I've got enough fun memories of Jesse calling him Chico. Yeah. I'm going to allow in one last swan song and a job for a couple of years. All right. So cool. I'm going to say no. All right. So he, he's out. Pickles. He's out. Is, is that, Gorilla. Is, is, is that a sentiment echoed by you? Um, yeah. I mean, really, by the time we get to like 93 time, I mean, whilst like in the ring, obviously he was still good to go. Any sort of relevance with like the fan base, his time had well and truly passed. So it was just more like throwing shit at the wall and seeing if he can still remain relevant I also remember throwing a flying forearm on a boy at school yeah. so for that basis yeah definitely yeah. No, oh, okay. I can't say no alright fair enough uh, so he, he survives this one however is probably one of the easiest ones on the board here Mike Campbell on pro wrestling only Vince Russo where do you even begin? David Arquette is the WCW champion. Vince Russo is the WCW champion. The Voodoo Kin Mafia. Team Pac-Man. Beaver Cleavage. GTV. The Miscarriage. Judy Bagwell on a forklift. He tries to take credit for everything that was good, including just recently claiming the Montreal screw job was his idea. <laughs> and when something didn't get over, or didn't work, then it was somebody else's idea or fault. Hell, try and read his blogs, and you'll see he doesn't even know English. He says shit like Kevin Dunn was always at Vincent Mann's beckon call. Two separate words. Or talks about the great sediments he has from remembering the glory days of the Attitude Era. <laughs> Unfit Finley on the UK fan what forum. What a writer! I know, I know. What are you talking about, bro? Russo, says Unfit Finley. Uh, not much that can be said that hasn't been said before, really. He had a few good years with McMahon filtering ideas that were largely pinched from ECW and turned it into a 20-year career of absolute nonsense. He hasn't booked a coherent storyline since 1999, and yet still, people still hail him as a creative genius. He's shit, he should be in the room. And uh, that's a quick yes for me. Yes. The hit list was read out there. I don't have anything more to add, so yep, throw them in. Yeah. I refuse to even justify it with a response or explanation. J- just go and check our uh, Vince Russo's Unsolved Mysteries podcast <laughs> in the archives, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. I am going to say no, and the reason why is because Room 101 itself was built on his cold, dead corpse. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather he would be shot into the sun so we know he's gone. <laughs> G has apparently become the Fred West of radio podcasts. <laughs> Speaking of homicide, Harry Wiseau on the UK fan form suggests Dino Bravo. Back- <laughs> <laughs> How about that for a seamless segue? I hated him back when I was little. Not in a, that guy's a bastard, boo, I hope Coco Beware kills him way. But in a, we get one hour's worth of wrestling a week at 3am, or whatever time it was I record it, and religiously watch it, but I fast forward through anything with him on anyway, kind of way. What was his gimmick? That he was strong? They're all fucking strong. They're wrestlers. Of course they're strong. Jeff Capes was strong, but I wouldn't want to see him in his pants stinking up the ring. In his pants. That rubbish baby blue colour. They looked shit. I can't remember any matches of note he had, or any particular feuds. He was just always there being shit. You could erase him from wrestling history, and there wouldn't be any butterfly effect. He was nothing. First time I saw the wrestling, 1989 or something, I was so excited to be there. All the seats had these promotional posters from Sky with Hogan on. We got there early, and nobody else in Myro had a poster by the time they got to their seats. Such was my excitement. And who do they wheel out in the main event? Dino fucking Bravo! A tag match with Hogan, Hacksaw, Macho Man, and that blonde waste of life. To think all these potential wrestling sperm that didn't make it, yet he gets made. Ah, oh, he was shit. Even when he died, a drive-by shooting related to something to do with cigarette smuggling? Fair play on the drive-by shooting aspect, but cigarette smuggling? Fuck's sake. WWF Chile on the UK fan form says everyone should vote Dino Bravo. The Canuck Corleones did us a favour. Boulder-shaped shithead. 
So, <laughs> email is really bringing the venom this week. <laughs> they, they are. are. They are. I'm, I'm so glad that he got nominated because he he was one of the guys I so badly wanted someone just for that little hop, skip, and arm raise he used to do all the time. Is crap side suplex finisher the fact that he got like protected and pushed and was like in key like, positions for years with no merit whatsoever I never understood the bravo push there have been rumours as to why it happened yeah I just I'm so glad that Dino's in because for me it's, it's in and it's in all the way <laughs> <laughs> I too am very glad that Dino Bravo was mentioned uh, as you say Liam I could never understand why he was protected so much um, and towards the end of it, he was basically there to be Earthquake's bag carry. Well, that's that's just how it seemed anyway. Glad he's thrown in there. It's just a shame that the uh, the mafia beat us to it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that um yeah pre WWF when he wasn't so big he, he ballooned into into ridiculous proportions and dyed the hair blonde. That must just be coincidence, right? Yeah, well I'm sure. But uh, he'd uh, you know he, a, a good body work before he got to the WWF. But uh, for me, WWF Dino Bravo is, is the is the biggest slam dunk so far, apart from Russo for me. Yeah, the fucking fat steroid body. <laughs> the void gut look. The, the, yeah, he's fucking stupid blonde hair. He looks like he's a shady gay. And. <laughs> and oh, he's so annoying. He's in. <laughs> yes! 3 0 so far! I, yeah, I'm going to say yes too. Just for. Just on, just on this thought alone. When watching uh, the documentary Wrestling with Shadows, Bret Hart talks about a time when he injured himself, right? When he was wrestling Dino Bravo and he gets, you know, slingshotted to the outside and he cracks his ribs, right? Even though he's like broke his, like, ribs. Right, and struggling breathing. Brett still refused to lose to him because it's Dino fucking Bravo, and that's why he goes in. With my last breath, I am not jobbing to this fucker. The Lowdown, 1987 on the UK fan Brits for Hulk Hogan post-2002. The minute he came out after Mania 18, in his NWO gear and not the red and yellow with real American blaring, it was over for me, and clear that they had no clue what to do with him. I stopped watching afterwards for a fair few years, but have caught up with what he's done since, and well, it was all a bit shit, wasn't it? He should have become the Babe Ruth character that Vince wanted him to be for a few years before retiring, doing programs leading into WrestleManias and SummerSlams every year until, say, retiring at WrestleMania 25. He basically should have started the part-time thing before Undertaker ran with it, coming out every six months to do an angle. I think everybody would have been okay with that. The problem with Hogan was that he wanted more, still wanted column inches and fame, even though he was nearing his 50s. That's why he and Vince didn't see eye to eye, and if he was going to wrestle, he would have to be numero uno and have to be the champion, something they even gave him in shit circumstances. His reality show was his real downfall though. The issues with his son's car crash, and the phone calls from jail will make you sick, to his appearances on Stern and Bubba showing everybody what an out of touch buffoon he really is. He could have gone out a true legend, the biggest legend, but decided that Hall of Fame, which ruined his marriage and legacy, was more important. So 10 inch cock Hulk Hogan, or micro penis Terry Bollea, whoever the <laughs> fuck you are, you let me down. You let your industry down, but most of all you let your down, and that's why you're going in. <laughs> oh, and I, I agree, and that's, I think I'll say yes, but the only thing I want to remain is the Brock Lesnar bear hug of massacre of bloodiness. Yes, that's that, got we got to keep the tape of that. Yeah, if maybe that could be the last moment, but did, was, did he win the title before that? Yeah. Ah, see. Yeah. Night after Mania he comes out, and then if Brock's there then, 
or if he's not with the debut Brock and that's how he goes out with the bear hug of crushed rib fame that's it we're rewriting history completely today no <laughs> not at all Carl no, you don't get to change the go- move the goalposts and change the parameters <laughs> make a fucking decision Just- you can't have it <laughs> <laughs> we'll, co- we'll, we'll come back to Kieran as he thinks on this for a minute Carl as a former Hulkamaniac I want, an, I want your take on this. It's it's like me with a second beer, Kieran. I just can't have it. <laughs> a little part of me has never really forgiven the crowd in Toronto for what they did at WrestleMania 18. Yeah. Because it all just snowballs from there, really, doesn't it? Um, you know, if we if we could change things, I would like to, to keep the Lesnar beat down in there as well. But uh, unfortunately, that's not an option. So, uh, yeah, for me, he goes in. I'd have been quite happy to have even gone slightly further back than that and, and put him in around about the start of 99 just put him in I don't give a shit anything past 2002 I'd probably go further back than that as soon as that atrocity that was Starcade 97 put him in from there we got a yes from Carl a, a yes from you Jim. yeah yeah he goes in uh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave this all on cue and here's the sign vote I'm gonna say oh come on nil vote because I don't WWE want to... undisputed champion 2002 yeah, Hulk Hogan ma- you remember that match with The Undertaker oh yeah he's remember in, he's in. that's it that's it he's in no I can't he's gotta go in that run was fucking awful and I hated every step of it ah <laughs> uh, fuck it he's in yes alright so Hogan post 2002 you're in room 101 but Brock's still gonna visit him at home at a vignette and, cho- and uh, squeeze the life out of him yes yes we'll do that yes so, how many of Hogan's friends have survived at this point? None. <laughs> None of them. Jimmy Hart, I think, is the only one that probably would survive. Jimmy's not going in. No, I like Jimmy. Not from Memphis, Memphis and Jimmy. Memphis it's all, Jimmy. It's all right. They can all keep themselves fucking comfortable, uh, you <laughs> sure know, in their kit company and start their human centipede. <laughs> Line of the Midlands on the UK fan form says the original Room 101 was of course from the George Orwell novel 1984 in the original Room 101 Winston Smith had a cage of rats put on his face my wrestling nomination is that legendary swordsman who has undoubtedly had a lot of rats of a different kind on his face big sexy Kevin Nash <laughs> <laughs> never had a good match in fact has had some bloody awful matches watching him against his former bag carrier Triple H actually shortened my life just dreadful that doesn't even take into consideration his majestic job avoidance in WCW. Undoubtedly a funny guy with hair to envy, but as a wrestler, I can honestly say I have never enjoyed a single match I have seen him in. So get in the room, Kev. You've stunk up your last reign. And a jingus on Pro Wrestling he also says, Nash, do I even need to list why? I can't think of a single other person who ever took so much from the business but gave so little in return. Aside from being a horrible wrestler, and he was quite god-awful, most bad workers can't also claim, and then my ridiculously awful booking managed to permanently sabotage a major national promotion to the extent that it never turned a profit again. <laughs> so, Kevin Nash. In your, in your house match with Sean. In your house match with Sean, Survivor Series with Brett, Brett Action yeah. Zone tag with uh, him and Sean against Kid so, and Ramon. Action Zone reference. Please. I can't wow. put Big Sexy in, he's just too damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's worked his charm on me. <laughs> he's bullshitted you. Yeah. He's, he's bullshitted me into staying out. <laughs> it wouldn't be right to put Kevin Nash in, on, just on that principle alone. Just on the, just on the merit of that cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> he is an incredibly funny man. I mean, that, during, that, <laughs> during that run in, in TNA when... Uh, yeah, the charts out talking about uh, WDF title runs and how business collapsed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then there was a big drop off when Rock came along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's he is a very a very humorous man. It seems because inc- you're black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the Jay Lethal one. That's yeah, great. Yeah, uh, and it seems cruel to put a man in who had so many near death experiences before paper. <laughs> it just yeah. you know, doesn't seem fair. That being said. 
the number of times he went into business with for himself regarding WCW and just generally being a prick in a lot of instances means actually no I'm, I'm going to I'm going to weigh that up against the funny element and just say no I'm non-committal on this one I'm going to leave Nil it to the point. I'm going to leave it to the other side of the room to okay, decide okay so you got I'm one throwing a swerve oh. I just think it's funny that Kevin Ash gets to escape <laughs> I think it's apropos so no it's definitely no for me he's done G- such a good job over his career hasn't he <laughs> um, G come on what do you think man I don't know it's kind of weighing up between the fact that he is funny <laughs> um, the legends of wrestling like round table and stuff and like you know they're all like throwing shit at him and he's just it's fucking Kevin Nash he's just like who gives a shit he just it yeah off, he just bounces it off or just I can't remember when it was but it was in like sometime during WCW I think in like 99-2000 where like apparently he retired or something like that and he's on commentary yeah. and he just does this like massive grin to the camera you know about like hey, him being retired and he's just thinking like what a dick yeah. I kind of like him yeah. but it's like that weighed up with things like he was the guy that ended Goldberg streak. Uh, it's like it's it's it's, it's weighing up. It's, it's it's the Kevin funny Nash. it's the funny guy, but he ended Goldberg streak. He was an awful booker. <laughs> he um, really was. Awful. He, he was an awful awful booker. Uh, to to make it interesting, I'm gonna say yes. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> All right, so this does come down to me. Uh, I can't say that Kevin Nash being funny should keep him out of Room 101 <laughs> just, just because he's a fucking arsehole and he's a funny one. But it's Kevin Nash! <laughs> Have you ever noticed you haven't seen Meng and Barry White in the same place at the same time? He's- oh, you know why he needs to go in? That fucking, we're going to get to it in the timeline, that weird fucking Vincent Mann impression. Oh, the, the promoter on Nitro. What the fuck was that? Yeah, the, the, uh, that was an awful impersonation. We'll get to that in 99, but that was fucking oh god-awful. Without Kevin Nash's run, there is no NWO, there is no boom for WCW, and who knows what happens with the WWF. So, the ones we've put in so far, to me there's very little in the way of a redeemable quality that actually keeps them out. With Kevin Nash, I think there is. There's, there's plenty to get him in as well, and, and it's kind of a bit of a, it's a, it's a toss-up. But when it's so much of a toss-up, to me, fairly 50-50, yes he was god-awful, yes he was an atrocious booker, Yes, he was funny. Yes, he did have a couple of good matches. Yes, he was extremely important in the in the in the nineties in WCW. And I think the thing that actually is the the clincher is the fact that I do find great humour in Kevin Nash escaping room one oh one. So yes! I'm, I'm gonna say no. Kevin <laughs> survived because it's completely in keeping with the rest of his yes. run. So to me, ours Vinny Vegas, Master Blaster. Oh god. You, you get another reprieve, son. This one's on us. He wasn't even swaying. Not for a second did he think he was going. In. <laughs> <laughs> there he is with his hand in his pocket, sauntering past room one oh one. Moonwalking past room one. On stage with a cup of coffee. Yeah. I put it on the nitro yeah. stage and carries on walking down. <laughs> we didn't even mention that. I didn't give a shit. We didn't even mention that last week. <laughs> on the timeline. I can't remember what, what episode this is. March or April of 98 when Kevin Nash comes walking down the aisle with a cup of coffee in his hand and just puts it on the WCW logo and continues his walk to the ring. He couldn't Hogan... give a fuck about think, this company. I think it's when Hogan calls him out. I think Hogan... It's, like, it's, during, like, it's during like the whole fraction of the NWO. He calls Nash out and he just walks out like jeans like yeah. shirt and like a baseball no, cap no, no, no. on it's like a shell suit or something isn't a it a shell suit yeah shell suit and baseball cap on with a fucking cup of coffee just leaves it on the stage by, by all the rights he should be in he's not going in the man is made of teflon <laughs>
We go now to Harmonic Generator on the UK fan form who says Kurt Angle anytime after 2006. What a waste. No career has been more tarnished by the shittiness of TNA than Kurt's. He's past the point of no return now, physically as well in terms of career. And for what? A couple of good matches with Samoa Joe? One with Jay Lethal and something with Double J MMA? That's honestly all I can remember of the last 10 years of Angle's career. If he had been able to sort out something with WWE that meant he could stay with them but they wouldn't have to worry about him falling to pieces on them, he'd be remembered as having a great 6-7 year run and probably got himself into the Hall of Fame. But no. Instead, he's pissing the fuck about for practically nobody. Watching him on the network only serves to show just how bloody good he was in WWE and how massive a disappointment it is that the past decade has been spent in the fucking impact zone. Come back to WWE, Kurt. Everybody swallow some pride and make it happen. I like to pretend the last 10 years of Angle never happened. They can get in the room. The Angle the TNA years, if you will. Uh, the wilderness you... years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find it hard to, to put poor Kurt in, but I see where he's coming from. I get the point, I get the sentiment, but I can't put Kurt Angle in Room 101 in any form. I'd rather be able to see him on TNA than not see him at all. Yeah. I was there for that when he, that debut video as well. Yeah, that was yeah, fucking, no surrender. That was the craziest, craziest reaction. It was mental, so... Um, yeah, totally wasted, but he's Kurt Angle. It's super talented, no way. Helmo! Yeah, it's it's a shame the way things have transpired for his, for his in-ring career, but um, e- even so, you know, as, as much of a wasteland as TNA can be... There are still some good matches in there to, to look back on that you can watch, and Kurt is just—he's just wonderful. He's just wonderful, and uh, I just—I don't have the heart to throw him in. Serious coming from, but it's a no for me. I just can't, in good conscience, put Kurt Angle in there because it's not like Kurt's in there for any lack of merit of his own. It's more the fact that he's there and the yeah. fact that Tina's just such a nothing happening place. Yeah, it would be—it would be different if if Kurt had gone there and say done what Booker T did when he got there and just completely phoned in and just you know absolutely took the piss but he didn't <laughs> you know he still worked hard he still put good matches on they still much like WF did at times didn't have a good idea of how to book him and use some comedy shtick that uh, that only really served to, to hurt him as a, as a draw and well pretty much anyone in TNA's hurt as a draw I suppose but I tend to think you want to put people in 101 because of things they've done deliberately or just being completely foolish and just real negatives that you know from their own actions and I don't think that's the case with Kurt so uh, yeah no, no. definite definite no as Carl so fervently told me earlier you can't rewrite history so the option is do we lose Kurt Angle in 2006 and never see him again or do we at least have him in some capacity and I think Obviously, you want him in some capacity. Yeah, if if you made the argument you want TNA in room one hundred and one, that's a different story, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But uh... I'd have said yeah to go in there in um, with this run because it becomes more painful. This TNA run, the more I watch WWF, it, the, the whole the whole TNA run. Whilst yeah, there's been like a few sp- spotted like highlights here and there. You know, you mentioned uh, Samoa Joe. You know, he's he's had good matches with AJ and Desmond Wolf and so on. You know, he's he's had good stuff there. For the last several years, I've been waiting for him to return, even if it's just in like a kind of you know a legends role, a character role, whatever. He goes in the hall, WWE, yeah. Uh, you know, to to be just you know a character or just to go in the Hall of Fame, whatever. I've been I've been waiting and waiting. He keeps wrestling for what? Like, it, it, is it like some sort of <laughs> like mental issue he has where he, he still feels he needs to uh, prove himself? Because it's like you proved yourself. After your WWF run, like so, so if if you if you want to keep him, you have, uh, you know, keep him around, even just have him a little bit. That's fair play. But like he did enough for me in the in in his tenure in WWF. You know, he he he's done enough in that tenure to warrant you know obviously his own DVD set and have like fucking. 
10 Blu-ray discs filled with his matches because I can't think of many bad matches he had in WWF. Just, just anyone that had anything at any point in their careers just go to TNA and it's like a fucking vacuum. Kurt, yeah, Kurt's a good th suggestion. I'd also say Jeff Hardy as well. I'd say those two are equal in terms of um, people who are just like... What the fuck are you doing in TNA kind of a thing? Yeah. Why are you hurting yourself and hurting me? <laughs> <laughs> Valid points, but you can't make the health angle with Kurt because for his, his own health, he's much better mm. than TNA and WF. For, but, the, for the schedule? Yeah. 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 If he hadn't gone to TNA, say he'd gone two years not wrestling and at least propagating the myth that he's cleaned himself up and got healthy would he be back would he have gone back I think they probably would have given him more of a chance mm. um, but he's not going to room 101 Steve Pachenik on the Facebook page says my nomination for inclusion in room 101 is the most annoying character that I've ever encountered Brother Love we attended a television taping in 1988 the Saturday night's main event when Andre had the heart attack with the snake which took an astounding five hours and four Brother Love segments I have not before or since seen anyone with as much go away heat as he could muster with so many other good passable interview segments his was too much to bear as always I love the show <laughs> and uh, also on the subject of Brother Love TG from Pro Wrestling Only says I'll nominate him I have no opinion about Bruce Pritchard himself but that character is just the absolute worst I get what it's supposed to power but goddamn that voice and makeup it just makes my skin crawl why they felt the need to give him so much TV time in the late 80s to early 90s I have no idea yeah another embarrassing character of my youth <laughs> cost me friends and girls <laughs> so uh, yeah definitely going in for me yeah brother love was the reason you didn't get the girls yeah um <clears throat> I've been quite harsh to you this podcast. This is like a <laughs> I think it's the, the, the listener's vitriol is spreading to you, Carl. You need to settle down here. Echo Kieran's sentiments. It's it's one of those characters you look back on and just cringe. It's it's not one you want to show friends who aren't wrestling fans. And, it's uh, not even one I want to show wrestling fans, <laughs> to be quite honest. No, no, very true, very true. And there were enough other people around during the time that can fill that interview segment role like, like they alluded to, so yeah, throw him in. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all in favor of this one. I don't even feel like I need to justify it all that much. To be honest, just getting the fuck in there is awful. I don't get it. Like, like get. <laughs> it's it's just like from watching like wrestling of that era, you know, like th th there'll be stuff that I didn't like at that time, but I kind of got why people liked it. it. His was just one act. I mean, even honky, I didn't like honky tonk that much, but I got what the act was supposed to be. With brother love, I was just like, what is this? Yeah. How am I supposed to feel? Am I supposed to feel annoyed? I do feel annoyed. Do, am I supposed to feel like I want to put a bomb in a letter and send it to him? Because that's how he makes me fucking feel. <laughs> it's just like, this guy, I, I, what is it? I, I don't get it. I don't get why he had so many fucking segments. And just just alone, the WrestleMania 5, is Mania it? Mania 5 oh, with Piper. Just, don't forget Royal Rumble 90. Don't sleep on that one either. Oh, just... SummerSlam 88. Just awful. With Duggan. Just the, the just the worst. Yeah, he's in there for me. Yeah. Definitely. The, the music I appreciate, but that's about it. We move now to uh, AVM on the UK fan form who says, For me, it has to be the PG, Triple H and Shawn Michaels DX of 2006. That, for me, typified the shift that WWE was making at the time towards a situation where Vince was once again so horrifically out of touch with society. You could almost hear him speaking through the announcers as they hysterically laughed through some horrific gags. To this day, Vince insists it was clever and very funny, when in reality they were trying to bring back a faction that were very much of their time while restricting what they could do. The good thing about the DX the first time around is that they were immature 
but extremely unpredictable. In the uber-corporate world of WWE and the PG era, it came across very constricted, contrived, and just not anything like as amusing as they let on. Hated it, totally switched off wrestling for a couple of years because of stuff like that. If I say yes, mm -hmm. does that mean that I don't have any Shawn Michaels from this period? Uh, I guess it would, yes. Of 2006. 2006. You're not really missing much. This was a very phoned-in year for old Sean. Yeah. This was, this was the, I the, feud with, the feud with Vince, the match with Vince and the product of his semen, Shane McMahon, Vince's words, not mine, yeah. against Sean and God at Backlash, yeah. the, bur the, the burials of the Spirit Squad, yeah. repeated matches with the McMahons, and uh, I, I just... I lost four years. Big show's ass. And I don't want to lose a Anymore. second more. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with the sentiment. A non-pissed-off, pilled-up Shawn Michaels is not fun in DX. <laughs> um, but I just cannot, in good conscience, lose him again. Okay, okay. Um, to echo the email of sentiments, it, is, it does, all does come across as very contrived... I find nothing remotely entertaining about two men in their late to early 40s trying to be degenerates in some form and try and act cool in some way. It was just absolutely terrible. And it's like you really feel, Carl. And combine that with the, the in-ring stuff they were doing at the time, yeah, I do not need to see any of that again. And I certainly won't miss... The sight of Big Show's arse as Vince's head is thrust into it. Bleeding head. Bleeding. Bleeding, oh, yes. So, um. <laughs> bleeding arse. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like that though after the, after the you, stink face spot. You know you need to get a new job when you're wiping <laughs> someone else's blood off your ass. <laughs> I'm saying yes to this one. This is a yes from me. I love Shawn Michaels, as everybody knows, but uh, this was the nadir of Shawn Michaels' comeback run. Yeah, just to clarify, that that was a yes from me, just in case there was any ambiguity there. <laughs> so we got, uh, we got two yeses, one no. G, are you chucking them in? Yeah, I'm going to say yes just to hear Kieran squirm. Oh, there you go. DX2006 is going in room 101. <laughs> it was awful. It was bad. No, but like, yeah. fucking hell, we're going to do a freaking other podcast on 2006, for Christ's we'll, sake. Yeah, we'll Those... see if DX is the light of day next yeah, week. Yeah, but I'm not yeah. taking him off the fucking show. <laughs> Those fucking glow sticks. Oh, yeah, the glow oh, sticks. Oh, this this is another one that had to come up during the course of this uh, this podcast. Colin Bollocks on the UK fan forum says, Mr. Anderson from birth to death. I haven't watched TNA in years, but the news of him getting told where to go still made me happy for the world. I missed his supposed glory years, where he pretty much ruined his chance of a lifetime in the main event twice. The first time I saw Mr. Anderson, he turned up on Raw in your uncle's five-a-side tracksuit and claimed he was Mr. Kennedy. He did his name a couple of times, then proceeded to drop Ort on his shoulder and head in a match, either that Raw or the next. Not a particularly gripping introduction, but but clearly Vince knew I was just getting back into wrestling, so he decided to sack him, just in case I got another week of him doing his name. Dixie Carter clearly didn't give a hoot, however. I was going to continue, but then I realised what a waste of time ranting about Anderson is. We all know he's useless. Uh, Love Wilcox on the UK fan forum backs it up and says, I agree 100% with Mr. Anderson. What an absolute useless waste of TV time. To think at one point he was in the running to be revealed as Vince's son, it's baffling. He almost had one good match in TNA against Bully Ray, and even then he botched the finish. Just a useless, shouty wanker with a shit gimmick. And uh, 
Paul Siebert on the F4W board says, I can't think of a wrestler that gets on my nerves more than Ken Anderson. The loud speaking was amusing for a few weeks, but it was the kind of act that clearly had a shelf life. Anderson's approach to freshening up his character has always been to be louder, goofier, and more annoying. In terms of match quality, he's always been average at best, though he seemed to have acquired a reputation for jerky movements that made him dangerous to work with, culminating in him being fired from WWE after dropping Randy Orton on his head and neck. This came after he almost got a main event push as Vince's long-lost son, only to lose it after failing a drug test. Good God, did we dodge a bullet on that one. Anderson didn't reach peak annoyance until his run in TNA. Everything that was irritating about his character in WWE was gradually cranked up to maximum volume. He began acting like a hyperactive 12-year-old in need of Ritalin. He started mugging for the camera like Jim Carrey in a 1993 episode of In Living Color. His voice would drone on and on. He would lose over and over again, yet keep being booked in main event spots because Impact had become a touring WCW Thunder cover band where literally anyone who had a run in WWE or WCW could get a prolonged push and a brief title run. He would turn from heel to face to heel over and over, he would try to get the word asshole over as a catchphrase, and he would yell it out repeatedly. I would be remiss to speak of Anderson without mentioning one of the worst feuds in TNA history, the Sam Shaw stalker character, which was doomed from the beginning, but he was at least trying to portray a serious gimmick. A character no one was going to take the least bit seriously, when Anderson was choosing every possible moment to clown it up like an Adam West Batman guest star, and trying to get the fans to chant creepy bastard. You know things are bad when I'm rooting for the quasi-serial killer character. This was all blown off in an asylum match where Shaw was committed, yet we were never told what would happen if Anderson lost. Would Anderson have been locked away in the loony bin? I could only wish. Lots of uh, strong ill will for Kennedy. Yeah, on, on the subject of those jerky movements, the way he would kick his legs when someone would pick him up for a scoop slam is the one that always springs to mind to me. Incredibly irritating. <laughs> in, injury prone to boot for some reason did get some love in uh, certain certain corners of the internet and amongst certain fans which I've never really understood um, it was brief and fleeting though yeah we, we can't throw him in the loony bin but I can do my damnedest to make sure he's in the room so yeah and I think there was something there obviously he decided to screw the pooch uh, twice so I guess I guess for that just through sheer stupidity he should go in for that uh, his TNA run should definitely go in just because anything to do with TNA should go in his general gimmick uh, the fact that he hasn't changed it at all in like how many years all the years yeah that what, should go I, in I would, I would argue what gimmick alright uh, well I'm talking about yeah yeah, actually yeah the, the, <laughs> mi the mic stuff uh, yeah that should go in and also as someone who has worked a show with him and that's has actually right, met him a right. uh, bit of a dick <laughs> So he goes in. Yeah, much like you, Chase. Those initial, th I guess, when he's different, right at the start, and it's like maybe, mm. um, and then you realise that's it. Yeah, and then in <laughs> and in retrospect, it's like okay, that, yeah, that was it. The asshole stuff was about an, as annoying as having a rash on your own asshole. So um, unequivocally, unequivocally, yes, he's in. Yes, I agree with this too, Kennedy. You're in room one hundred and one, Mister. CTX Russo Mark. This is the gimmick you were talking about. Yeah. CTX Russo Mark on the UK fan form says Mick Foley post 2004. Nobody, nobody has fallen from grace as hard as Foley over the past decade. He was one of the most genuinely loved and respected names in the entire business when he retired in 2000, and his subsequent stints as commentator and eventual return and feud with Randy Orton were universally praised. 
quite how he managed to destroy his legacy to the point where he's now a figure of ridicule and embarrassment is beyond me. When I watch old wrestling back, I can almost always remember how I thought and felt at the time and relive those moments as if they were happening now. With Foley, all I can think of is what has become of him since then. Post-2004, Foley ruined one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, and for that reason, he deserves to go into Room 101. Sorry, what was that emailer's name again? <laughs> CTX Russo Mark. Well, there you go. I feel that disqualifies the entry right off the bat <laughs> and that we shouldn't discuss it any further. Uh, we need to discuss this one further, unfortunately. Obviously, it's a no from you, Carl. Kieran? I say yes. And uh, not because you keep ragging on me about Conor McGregor. It's because Mick Foley turned into a fat womble of a whore. <laughs> prostituted his legacy for a cheap buck here and there. He was already fat. Fatter. <laughs> <laughs> like Sonny Fat. <laughs> <laughs> So we got one no one yes. G, where do you stand? Because uh, <coughs> I, I I feel bad about making a verdict on this one, so I think I'll wait. The emailer didn't even give specifics here, people. Come on. There's, there's enough instances though of like stories of him being like very kind of only interested in the money at these like autograph signings and stuff that goes around. I'm going down. I'm a massive fan of Mick Foley. I'm probably I'm probably right behind you in the queue in terms of like 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 Foley fans right I love the guy a great guy and I think yeah definitely after 2004 there is a bit of a downturn though I'm not quite certain I'd want to eradicate you know Mania 22 or like the stuff he did with Edge because I think there was some sort of merit to that I think at least but I think certainly after 2006 certainly his TNA run uh, deserves to go in there and whilst I I, I do love Mick uh, as a person and so on but he has become that whore he, he he has done it. It, it just it, he has just turned into a joke, and not like in a joke that's been like purpose made by himself. Like when he was like mankind in ninety nine, whatever, like that. No, it's just this thing of just this shill who's just he just wants wants you know another buck, or he's just trying to get his kids a job. I oh, d- yeah, I he's know. the first to commit yeah. commit nepotism in the rest. Right, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I guess I guess he's not the only. But Eric Watts better be on that list. <laughs> yeah. Like all other like people who are who I loved in wrestling, you know, I don't get tired of seeing them. But Foley has now it's developed to that point, unfortunately, where every time I see him, I roll my eyes. I rolled my eyes on Raw. Just Mick, just just go away. You can barely walk. Just sit down. Just sit down. Stay at home and just just relax. And I'm assuming you're you're saying a yes, sir. Even though you reference the edge stuff, you're saying yes. I'm Is that say right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's two so, one so, so far. So Foley Foley's going in there in part because of the TNA stuff. Yeah. You you know deep down inside, Carl, it's not been right the last few years. Going he, by your logic, of you should be doing something offensive to go in there. I don't think Foley's done anything that's offensive. Uh, I, I, TNA title run. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Mick Foley, world champion in 2009. <laughs> yeah, that was quite awful. There's no real justification for that, is there? Um, the match with Flair, I just found extremely sad. Yeah. Where they're, they're just, you know... Uh, um. As such a big fan of Foley as you, 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 to protect his legacy, you should put him in. Do it for his own good. Put the puppy down. Says the man who was weeping away from the microphone when Sean went in for 2006. I lost four years, goddammit! <laughs> I am going to put Mick Foley in Room 101 from 2004 onwards. And it, it, it pains me to do it because I'm a huge Foley fan too. But when I look at Foley afterwards, it, it, there is a feeling of chipping away a great legacy. And I love the legacy so much that it actually hurts me to see Foley doing some of this stuff. <laughs> You've all backed the Russo, Mark. You should be ashamed. <laughs> I just love that Foley's in and Kevin Nash isn't. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? No, you no, think about no, it. No, no, no. The door's no, not closed. Isn't it's it? not the precedent. There's no precedent. There's no precedent. This isn't a precedent game. This is an individual no, case. Said it now, Damon Rising on WrestlingForum.com says every version of Sid couldn't talk, no technical ability, no brawling ability, no high-flying ability, used to forget spots. Moreover, there is not one match on record where he doesn't botch at least twice. Botched every promo, continually forgot his lines. Most undeserving champion of all time should have never been a wrestler. When I was a child, he was the person that exposed the business to me as fake because I could see through his work. My young mind started working gears, realising that this man was completely out of place and I suddenly realised why. Sid is not a wrestler. He's a man trying his best to act like a wrestler. His working punches were feet away from his opponent and his timing was so bad I finally saw through wrestling in a way I did not want to at that age <coughs> and uh, words from Lee on the UK fan form says Sid Vicious and his WCW title run in early 2000 I never liked anything he's ever done but that period nearly killed me uh, Jarrett's title runs <laughs> straight afterwards were equally as bad actually the entire main event picture in 2000 for WCW constantly vacating the title Nash booking himself as champ David Arquette and Russo winning the belt DDP getting shafted with a one day reign so uh, Sid <laughs> I guess gets a couple of nominations here Again, I can't say no. And in fact, if I could, I would put the WCW belt from 2000 in room 101. The shit stains in his trunks from WrestleMania 13 kind of sum up his career, along with the broken leg from Sin 2001. We'll, we'll throw Sid in there, and we can throw in a softball and a squeegee as well. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Slam dunk? Yeah, he goes in for them punches alone. Yeah, yeah. Never mind the... Do, the stuff we've talked about on the timeline, so yeah, he's a. Do, do, with, he's with, awful. With, with WCW this, 99 <laughs> Sid. I have no idea why they A brought him in and B pushed him the way they did. It's appalling. The, with, with the squeegee and everything, do, do we allow him to bring in scissors as well? Or? No, absolutely no, not. That's no, a terrible no. idea. Oh. I know you want to get rid of beefcake, but. Yeah, not, no, come on. This is not the way to do it. Free, Keith Hutchin on the UK fan forum says Rugged Ronnie Garvin. When I first saw WWF, <laughs> I was in awe of all these larger than life characters. Then Ron comes along with his fucking. <laughs> towel and is Greg the Hammer Valentine hammer jammer shin pad take your towel and your shin pad and fuck the fuck off sorry can, can I just advance this can we put all the Garvins in <laughs> Jimmy Jam yeah Hall of Fame I got, I got a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. hall for you and it's called 101 it's funny I remember having a, 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 my first sort of exposure to, to Ronnie Garvin was, was his WWF run and not the NWA run that, um, that had preceded it I always remember having a, an argument with, uh, with a friend of mine over what a jobber was in the 80s <laughs> and basically the way he ended the conversation was just to, to point at the screen because we had Wrestlemania 5 on at the time and he just pointed and said there Carl that's a jobber whilst he's pointing to rugged Ronnie Garvin with the towel around his neck <laughs> wrestling um, who? Bravo it was, it was Bravo oh my god it was god. Bravo yes that's right um, I can't I that, see I can't, I can't said, put Garvin in no, and, and as, as much as I think his, his NWA title run in 87 was a mistake, he was a perfectly serviceable guy in the ring and could be used in the, in the right spots away from his WWF run. I think there's, there's some positives in his body of work there. So, Very uh, much so. Uh, so, one, yeah, I'm not... One of the best TV matches I've ever seen was against Flair, and I want to say 85. It's a, it's a great match. It, it holds up really, really well, because I didn't see it at the time. I, 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 would, I would lean towards yes for WWF Ronnie Garvin, because he just seemed so out of place, and they just treated him like shit anyway. I would, but oh, just so we're clear, did the emailer specifically say WWF nope, Ronnie? No, he didn't. Create... He said Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, so in, in, in which case, I'm going to have to say no. Me too. Yeah, me three. That just doesn't offend me, really. He's no Sid. <laughs> Plus, without him, I wouldn't have the Garvin stomp on the dance floor. <laughs> but are we establishing that Jimmy Garvin's gone in? Jimmy, I don't know. Jimmy Jam Garvin, I just can't stand him. As a baby face in like 92, I've never seen a worse baby face in my life. 
with, with him in there, Michael Hayes turned babyface. He's, he's got he's got going just for the hair. I can't. I, I, I've never seen someone who actually I have, but there are plenty of people like this. Now I think about where you watch a guy and it's like you're part of a major wrestling promotion. I have no idea how. <laughs> and and to me, uh, Jimmy Govan's world world class stuff from '82 is put on this pedestal that it completely doesn't deserve to be on. <laughs> Well, he had Precious, Carl. He had, he had the women, you know. The women was a big thing. Jimmy Garvin didn't do anything interesting, but, you know, that's, not, that's besides the point. Uh, Jerry Von Kramer on Pro Wrestling Only says, Chief J Strongbow, I wish he'd never been born. The single highlight of Strongbow's career was Ernie Ladd shoving feathers down his stupid fake Indian epileptic fit mouth. The only good thing he ever did was that and getting his leg broken by Greg Valentine, and even then, fucking Wahoo did it better. So uh, I'm uh, I'm all on board with this one, to be quite honest. I, of the Chief J Strongbow I've seen, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I've seen all of his career by any stretch. I've, I, he's one of those guys when I watch back, I just do not see how this guy was over. He's he's he, his selling is atrocious. His comebacks look awful. I have no idea how he got so over because his promos are the shits. I just I, he's awful. Every match he's in, he drags it down. I don't see the appeal. And the, the funny thing is, like so many people refer to him as like this classic guy. Like Raven talks about how like he's like one of his favorite wrestlers growing up because of the comeback. He's he's the shits. He's the shits. Points for getting over, I guess, but the shit. The, the thing is, I've I've seen so little of his body of work. I don't think it's fair, really, for me to render right. a judgment either so way. Are, so are, are you so going for a nil I, vote? I, I, we're, we're nil. I'm a nil vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same as me. I have to be honest. I haven't seen enough to judge him. So, G, who? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So with that so said, a one vote majority. One vote majority. Chief J Strongman's in one hundred and one. <laughs> Take your headdress and fuck off, Joe Scarper, you Native American legend, you. <laughs> Better, better or worse than Tatanka, just for a frame of reference, would you uh, say? I'd say worse, personally, but it, it was over far more. So, uh, Real trailer tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 crying at the garbage they left in the ring. Gorgeous Day on Newstead on TPWW says, Cartoon villain Vince McMahon. Now hear me out, I'm thoroughly entertained by Vince McMahon as a performer. From the McMahon strut to the throaty yelling to the facial expressions, he is awesome. But Vince was at his best in 98 before he went full on cartoon villain, when it was more subtle. He transformed into the over-the-top character rather naturally and it seemed to work. But never was he more effective than when he came across as an actual boss with subtly heel tendencies versus the megalomaniacal, borderline incestuous sociopath who became a walking cliché, more catchphrase than man. The issue is, because of the sheer magnitude of his character, he's a heat maggot and tends to outshine, personality-wise, 95% of the locker room because it's his company and he has free reign. Cartoon villain Vince is the reason Shane and Stephanie have been able to castrate the roster for years on end. The problem is, they aren't wrestlers and there's only so far you can go, but they are fucking massive marks for themselves and they choose to go that far and further and further. And here we are, two decades later, in some endless loop of despair. Maybe it's the purest in me, but borderline snuffing out your daughter in a wrestling match, berating your zombified wife and having a street fight with your own son is really not that great TV. Some of it was fun, but much like the metamorphosis of the Vince McMahon character, it goes from giving us a fun little taste to over-the-top fucking idiotic nonsense, <laughs> overshadowing the true workhorses breaking their back for your company. But part of that period involved Linda's most, you know, charismatic performances. <laughs> which, which was what? Zombies. <laughs> Zombies in a wheelchair. What, what about, I want a divorce. How about that moment, Carl? That was the jump the shark moment. Yeah? There is that sort of ham element that can go a bit too far. 
But <laughs> just thinking about when you say that, like a flood of Vince memories comes back yeah. to me. <laughs> they, they, they really do. You think about it, and sort of some of the some of the fake tans he's had before matches as well. Oh, oh yeah, as a, as a visual. I'm thinking Ric Flair at Rumble uh, 2002 as a, as the prime example. But I almost think he wants to throw Vince in too early for me because a, a lot of things he references there. We're talking about 2000, 2001, that sort of time frame, and uh, I'm. I'm, I'm not as comfortable putting Vince in. I don't think he's. I don't think he sort of went too far that early to me. So on that base, I'm going to have to say no. I just the thing is, whenever we say this, I just think of these little things that Vince has done over time that just amuse me wildly. Like there was a, there's a thing when they're doing the uh, the hair versus hair match build up when Vince is like walking down the apron and he like legitimately slips on the apron <laughs> and like he, like he just like he gets so mad on the apron. He looks at the fans. He starts cursing at himself. Yeah, who who could who could not love the fucking Royal Rumble 2005? We'd, yeah, we'd lose that. We'd lose that as well. We'd lose yeah. that. So I I can't in good conscience. Yeah, the, the temper tantrum he threw and DX. Fucking, you know, fuck with him one time too many on Raw. He just starts screaming at the air and then starts <laughs> crying. <laughs> Breaks down in tears. It's there's just I can't I can't throw him in. Yeah, I can't. No chance. <laughs> no chance. I get the, I get the point about maybe more effective in you know, in a serious role. Some people would like that. Um, but you can only do that for so long when he's such a big part of the show to stay I mean he's entertaining he's fantastic so yeah yeah, no chance on me I I don't mind Vince being Vince and and being his wacky cartoon self but it's when it's done in such a way where it's building to him in a match on a pay-per-view which never ever works no I wouldn't yeah wouldn't want him in in matches that's why that's why he's detrimental to the rest of the roster you got old man Vince there, and well, same thing with Shane now. When he's you know, the, the Orton feud that when he came back and he, he was the one who kicked Orton's ass. But nah, in terms of wacky Vince, casting Vince, he says nah, nah, not for me. It would might have worked a bit better if he amended it a little bit and said maybe from 2003 onwards, because I think that's when Vince, uh, you know, the the, the hammy kind of act he puts on, uh, started to get a little bit more holes in it, I guess, because up until then, you know, you, you pretty much just roll with the punches with him because you know he always comes up with something good. Whilst kind of 2003 onwards, it became more more half and half on bad, and then something like some pure genius that would come up with. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like the reason why I say 2003 immediately is I'm thinking of the the, the Mr. America stuff. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that, but the segment on SmackDown when he does the lie detector test yeah, yeah, is right, amazing. Yeah. The, the 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 stuff the, the stuff there and like the 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 arm wrestling contest with Zach Gowney <laughs> kicks the guy's leg out and stuff uh, the the stuff like there which was How amusing there's some some of that stuff was amusing but bad but then you'd get like you know um the uh, obviously fighting his daughter um the uh, buried alive match with Undertaker and stuff you know like you know we've already referenced already when we put the DX stuff in from 06 he was a big part of that you know that you know him him and Shane versus Sean and God you know and like all that bullshit he's going into that the church bad. and stuff you, you pretty much have but, to kind of, but you've still got the segment when they go to church yeah <laughs> you, you kind of yeah that's, a, that's the thing Shane takes a step back from him yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the moments when he is exceptional whether it's intentional or not when you mention the Royal Rumble 05 he's more of a one of I would rather have a subpar Vince than no Vince at all Mungo Chutney on the UK fan forum votes Tenzai 
I hated Albert, liked the TNA tag team, and thought A-Train was okay. I totally bought into the whole he's improved loads in Japan deal, and loved that they used old school vignettes to introduce the character. But once he debuted, it was obvious that he was the same lumbering numpty. The finisher was dreadful. Outside of Dallas, any claw move looks ridiculous, and he botched more moves than he got right. Also appeared to sandbag Ryback during his big push. It would have been great to have him come in dancing with Brodus Clay right off the bat because that seemed to suit him much more than any other previous gimmick. Matt Bloom always comes across as a great guy, knowledgeable as well, but ten Tenzai was shite. So it's the Tenzai gimmick. Tenzai, it's, yes. It's the Tenzai gimmick, but it, it's a real easy one in the sense that he could have picked any point of old eight and three eights career, <laughs> and I'd have thrown him in. Wouldn't wouldn't have mattered. And you know, much like Jerry Lawler, I don't give a damn where he played college football. <laughs> Get him in there. Yeah, I agree. Complete with Carl from the start of his career, he goes in and never comes out. Um, Would you say it's a shame we can only lose Tenzai on this one? I am. Obviously disappointed. I'm, I'm, I was hoping if enough people agree around the table, we can actually just get Matt Bloom put in. Full stop. I am going to say yes to Tenzai though, because of just how one how bad the gimmick was, and also just how uh, just how much of a disappointment that was. Because I I for one wasn't one of these people who bought into uh, the fact that he <coughs> improved in Japan. I watched I watched New Japan and I knew he improved. And I think he formed a, a, a pretty decent tag team with Anderson for for the for the year that they That's were. That's Carl Anderson, they, not Mister. Yeah, no. You know, they they formed a good tag team for the year that they were champions, and I I saw a lot of potential. So when they turned around and said they hired him back, I was like, well, that actually makes sense. They debuted with that, and it was just such a disappointment. It was then just like all the hard work that he did over there. Yeah, gone, the, the gone gimmick, in one moment. The, the gimmick killed it because it was like, it was like the, everything that he was doing in Japan was not the claw hold. It was not fucking martial right. arts moves. It was not those fucking horrible right. red tights. Either, like, by yeah. the way, it was just kicking the shit out of people. Yeah, well, it, it was what it was. But yeah, he's in. So yeah, he's in. Tenzai, room one hundred and one for you. <laughs> The Maestro on the UK fan form says Conan. During the glory years of WCW, I couldn't stand him. He looks like a cross between Pitbull and Baraka from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> he was always given too much mic time, spouting off shite, and I can't remember enjoying any of his matches. And there's a reason for that, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> they, they were terrible. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know what the uh, the feeling around the room is, but gee, I know that you are not bowdy bowdy nor yeah, rowdy yeah, rowdy. I was about to say, was well, bowdy bowdy? Uh, let's just arrive a roster his ass in there and be done with it. I vote yeah. no. I vote no. I vote. Oh, he's he's everyone. I, 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 vote, I vote yes, just for clarification. And while your both of your backs are turned, I'm throwing him in there. <laughs> <laughs> Conan escapes. I, I I thought that he was extremely charismatic during this period of time. Work rate was awful. Don't get me wrong. He had some shitty matches, and, and I loved it when Disco Inferno parodied oh, his music he video. Just Kevin Nash, him, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he was just uh, he was he's so hideous to me. That in- Entire, yeah. The entire WCW run, even when they bring him in as a baby face to start with as well. Yeah, that was bad. Dude, it's all bad. I don't care how I don't care how charismatic he was and how often he could throw out yeah. the strawberry fools and the black and white. I don't give a shit. He was just fucking awful. <laughs> I hate him so much. I hate that so much time was spent giving him those fucking music videos on Nitro. No wonder they lost the war. <laughs> you know, Kevin Nash was funny. I found humour in Kevin Nash. I found nothing. There's no redeeming features Conan's about Conan. LAX! LAX promo? Fuck me, he was uh, great. He deserves to stay for LAX no, alone. LAX was amazing. I can't even. 
fucking hey, hey. The guy can't even pull his trousers I'll, off. I'll, I'll, for fuck's sake. I'll, I'll say this you, much. I'll give you LAX. Exactly. I'll give you LAX, but we saw enough, what happened to LAX <laughs> when they took Conan away. That act fell apart completely. He was he was so awesome in that role. And yeah, look, his wrestling's never been my style because I hate awful wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it is with Conan. You know what you're getting. And the thing is, with the WCW period too. But when you got like the likes of Brian Adams and Stevie Ray and all these other fuckwits. They, they offended me far more because there was nothing to get into. At least Conan was amusing. Very true, and I'd throw them in there if they were an option, but they're not, and he is, and he should be in there, <laughs> damn it. Friend of the show gets nominated here, unfortunately. Gary Thompson on the Facebook page says, Jeff Jarrett from 2004 to 2006. When TNA was trying to get more popular, leaving their weekly pay-per-views and going to their first TV deal, Jeff Jarrett is the main man. He felt that nobody was strong enough to carry the world title, which I disagree with. The fans wanted AJ Styles, but he wasn't given long enough before dropping it back to Jarrett. Then finally, Monty Brown stepped up. Here was a guy fans desperately wanted to see. He could work and had a ton of charisma. I believe if TNA had put the belt on Monty Brown, it might have sparked the change TNA was trying to get at the time. Maybe bring in some more fans. But hey, Jarrett was champion for 11 months at one point. I bet viewers stopped watching because of that. I'm not saying Monty would have made TNA a monster like WWE, but I've always believed TNA is like a volcano, bubbling away, but sticking with Jarrett couldn't make it a uh, Rocco's Modern Life on WrestlingForum.com says Jeff Jarrett when he's doing the whole double J country music gimmick I think around 94 I just couldn't take to it with those stupid flashing glasses he won in a Kinder Egg and uh, Blair Schmidt on Pro Wrestling Only says it is in fact T. never found his work interesting always found his mic work lacking and he introduced the word slap notes to the pro wrestling lexicon for starters the only thing I ever liked about his WWE run was him briefly getting Robert Fuller on my television <laughs> then we get to WCW where he's inexplicably pushed away above his station and becomes a multiple time world champion while doing absolutely nothing of note other than contributing to the downfall of the company. Then he and his daddy start the Jeff Jarrett vanity operation where he pushes himself on top for years and kills any shot of WWE having competition and then he sells the coat hanger abortion of a company to a fucking idiot who has no business being in the wrestling business who keeps the thing on life support years and years after it should have died. Not to mention he's the guy who has pretty much kept Vince Russo in the business. (laughs) Which is a compelling argument I'll grant you. I'd personally say he's I double N in. I don't tend to give him too much blame for the WCW demise because <laughs> no, at, really. at that point, you know, they're already gone. But he, he was pushed above his station. He was insufferable in the role. I, I think the first emailer, in truth, probably gives almost has too much faith in the initial start of TNA. Or I don't disagree with the sentiment of really you want someone to be a, a, a you want a more fresh face as, as the focal point of the company someone that doesn't have the stank <laughs> that, uh, that Double J has but I I don't foresee this sort of volcanic eruption type thing that he alludes to especially not if, if the solution is potentially Monty Brown yeah when it comes to CNA the only volcanic eruption is the kind you have after a bad balty the night before <laughs> Play a ring sting. Yep. So this is the whole of Jarrett's career. <laughs> it's all of Jarrett's career. Uh, this, is, this is where I can't do it. See, the whole of the career, the Russo love. I mean, the only thing he's got going for him is Big Daddy. <laughs> he's in for me. He's in. Oh, that's tough. Oh, man. I feel bad because Jarrett was one of my, like, childhood favourites. I was, like, the only fan of Jeff Jarrett in 1995. I loved, I loved Paul <laughs> Jay at the time. Him and the Rodeo were a great double act together. Yeah, I, I, I kind of find it hard when that compelling argument is made where it's, like, little bits and pieces throughout the course of his career where he constantly was underneath the level he should have been. But to be honest, much like yourselves, it, this is one of those BJ Whitmer examples <laughs> where I don't hate anything he did enough to put him in along with the beefcakes of the world so uh, I'll, I'll say no 
but I, I think that this might be a three and one. I'm not sure. Honestly, trying to think of a time when I actually liked him. <laughs> um, it wasn't the Double J gimmick with the ridiculous pyro and the outfit that he blatantly stole from Beefcake's wardrobe. It wasn't the slap nuts. It wasn't NWO 2000 with the Harris brothers. <laughs> it wasn't that. Oh, where are they on this? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that uncensored match with Sid. It wasn't TNA. There's no redeeming features for me in terms of his career. Uh, and the one, the one outside that outside of an interview with us, outside of an interview <laughs> with us, which we greatly appreciate. Um, the one thing that yeah, actually probably on soon, Jeff. Yeah, the, 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 Maybe the your last phone call before you go in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> He's uh, absolutely in. Oh, and what? shame on you for What, what for was, the, what was the, the, the chant that you used to think? Pick up your hat, your coat, just leave. Yeah. yeah. Pick up your hat, your coat, just leave. Pick up your hat, your coat, just leave. Yeah. While having their backs to the ring. Or having their backs to the ring they were disgusted with Double J's chant. Great visual. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess that's it. Double J's in room 101. The Cho Cho Chosen One. SJ5522 on the UK fan form says, I can only go for Sable. If I had to name a least favourite match, I'd probably opt for whatever the hell happened at WrestleMania 20. Without looking it up, I think it was an evening gown tag match. Why, you ask? Sable grabs the mic and goes, You know, gowns are obviously so restrictive. I really just want to be in my pants and that. The crowd whoop, her, Tori and Keebler strip off, Miss Jackie doesn't want to strip, so all three force her, even though it's a tag match. That's your representation of women at a marquee WrestleMania, folks. It's not that I don't have a sexuality or think ladies are fit, but her ilk and the whooping morons encouraging it pretty much sums up why I blush and shrink in stature when I tell someone I'm a wrestling fan, because to most people that's what they still think it is. Also, without wanting to delve too far into hypocrisy with look-centric comments, her face actually looks like when I've snorted a couple of lines of something and need to stretch my face apart from either side and snuff to get the stuck stuff out. <laughs> At least with your Keebler's, Sunnies and Tories, I can think, fair play. Sable is just totally unappealing and has the charisma of white rice. <laughs> No. And by the way, if Mr. Lesnar is listening yeah, to this podcast, this is, that's not my comment. This is this is why we can't put Sable in because Brock will break her out and everyone else will escape as well. <laughs> so fuck that noise. Yeah, I, I I say no. I think she served a purpose in the place and time she was there. She was like watching again, going through ninety eight of the timeline. She was fucking stonkingly over. Oh yeah. I mean, I I would. So call, it, call me wrong I'll probably go as far to say she's probably right a second behind Austin hey, in terms no, of most over with the crowd it's not even it's not It's not even a debatable point the ratings for 98 yeah. Raw she was the second biggest yeah. ratings draw in the company behind Austin and, and I, was, I was a fan of that angle with Mero uh, with, with the match you know and, and, and a bit of the physicality that she did and all that I was really kind of like fine with that enjoyed it but it's still that for all the women who want to be me and for all the men who come to see me. That's uncanny. <laughs> as my mom and dad are watching in the room with me and they're looking going, what fucking shite are you watching? And I turn around and say, wrestling. <laughs> so she's in for you? Yeah. So it's no for me. Kieran? No. No. Carl? She, she does really annoy me. Ryan really annoy me. The, the voice does great on me, but I suppose I go back to the sort of the Charmel analogy if I throw a woman in there just because her voice irritates me then you know I'm throwing almost every woman who's ever been involved in the business in there mm. and you can't argue there was a point in 98 when she was over like Rover and and hey unlike uh, you know, some others she got the fuck out of the way as soon as a star faded so it's not like we had to put up with yeah, years we, of her we, being we, awful we weren't subjected mm. to decades of it so uh, I'll say no 
Steve Stryker on the UK fan form says, for me, and it may well just be me, I'm going with Brett's WWE return up to the match at WrestleMania with Vince. Actually, I'm now pissed off at SCG for making me remember it again. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was a huge hitman mark and was purely in Camp Brett while my younger brother wanked over Shawn Michaels and his dirty, screwing ways. Then they announced it. He was coming back. Hell itself had frozen over, and I for one couldn't wait. I stayed up for Raw, was ridiculously excited, and when that music hit and he came doddering out with his graying hair, I didn't care. I was looking through my reflective, rose-tinted visor and fucking loving it. I may have even let out a little involuntary noise of excitement. The rest of the night went okay. The love fest with Sean, even the kick to the balls by Vince was bearable, as it meant that comeuppance was coming. Then that was it. They meandered about doing some bullshit week in, week out, and it all led up to that horrendous matchup mania that made no sense. The heart siding with Vince? Why? The big, aha, we're really with Brett reveal. Why? Stumbling around the ring for nearly 30 minutes? Why, why, why? All they had to do was let Brett hit him with a chair, maybe a reverse atomic drop, and slap on the sharpshooter and watch Vinnie Mac tap like a bitch. They fucked it up, they always fuck it up, and we never learn. I think, I think that this is perfectly exemplified by the fact that when it came time for Brett to return for all this time, they gave him fucking new music on his first night in. So it's like, ah, And that pretty much sums it up for me. That, that, that's the perfect way to sum up the entire Brett Hart experience in 2010 that that match oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah that goes in that match was the one of the biggest atrocities I've ever seen in Mania if not just for the fact that it brought Bruce Hart back as well can we put him in room 101 <laughs> I like Bruce I, <laughs> oh, no. oh, come I, on. I chuckle at Bruce no Bruce has to be around for our amusement <laughs> exactly if Bruce is in room 101 we don't get to see Doink douche him in the face with the water at SummerSlam no, <laughs> we can't have that moment no. so I, I, I'll agree with this Brett in, uh, Brett in 2010 has to be in unfortunately I wanted it to go so well but it didn't yes simple as that ah it's just great seeing back but it's sad hmm the match is the most ridiculously booked thing and performed thing I've probably seen in my life. Vince just getting a beating for hours. <laughs> One hell of a beating. <laughs> One hell of a beating for hours on end. And uh, yeah, so absolutely. Everyone knew Brett's limitations, so you you spent a lot of time wondering how they were going to get around that. You, you knew, I know it's a, a phrase I've used before, but you're wondering to see what the sizzle's going to be to the steak. Because you, cause you know that the meal itself isn't going to be brilliant, but there might be some nice side dressings that will distract from it. I wanted to be happy to to see Brett back. The one thing I, I didn't, I don't think I even wanted an angle out of it. I, I didn't want the the Brett vincing. I would just would have been nice to have that moment where he comes back on Raw, gets some acknowledgement. The thing with the Owen T-shirt when he unveils it and the nice Owen chat and all all that sort of you know good positive stuff and. Maybe you know, the handshake with Sean is a, is a nice touch as well. And if if they could have just left it there, I'd have been happy with that. But everything that that transpires after that is just really sad. So unfortunately, it's unanimous. Kaz Hayashi on the UK fan form says, "Test. This is a test." testing my fucking patience he says in fairness he had a good speedy big boot but bloody hell he bored the piss out of me he bored the piss out of the toilet <laughs> I couldn't stand his big daft wavy hair his shit long black leather trousers he always looked confused like a dog when it farts smells it and then thinks what's that he added fuck all to the triple H Steph wedding angle and he should have been one of the top three characters in focus but he managed to blend into the background pure tripe outside of the lover or lever street fight I can't think of anything else with tests that I've particularly cared for so yeah, throw him in. Yeah, for much Van Damme on ECW in 2006 that no one remembers. But other than that, it, it was always a career of 
this guy might develop into something and then he never well, did I'll say no didn't offend me I'll say yes I, I don't know I, I, when he was around just when his music would hit not his good one that people remember the, the fun one from 2000 or so but when they slowed it down and made it even more boring <laughs> and it's like they, oh. cut, they cut his hair the un-Americans run speaks for itself yeah. he just bored the fuck out of me for so mm. long it's like oh anytime his music hit I just I, I hated yeah, I, it I I'd, I'd erased all that uh <laughs> Yeah, I was probably remembering like a one-month push or something. Uh, no, it lasted years. This test experience. Oh, oh fuck it, I'll put him in. Why not? Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much. Don't forget his TNA run for about a week. As the Punisher, Andrew Martin. If anybody remembers that. Oh, I didn't. No, know no, I didn't. Know. Oh, God, I'm the only no, one. No, for reminding us. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's a yes from me, a yes from Kieran. Carl, you said yes, so he's in. Uh, we're going now to another one of the most voted ones we have to get to them Triple H and Stephanie of course uh, Gok from Pro Wrestling only says oh good I can see Triple H before everyone else it's worth sacrificing his good one in 2000 and 2001 to not have to go through everything else since then Spike on WrestlingForum.com says he had a good one with Mankind some of those matches were excellent but generally speaking and for a multitude of obvious reasons he's never been a positive presence my main issue is that I've always found him something of a flat character this will sound weird given the fact that he's a pro wrestling character but everything he's ever done has always been overly aggressive the issue is that he lacks wit or likability. Austin was always equally aggressive and intense, but there's a certain likability and humour about him. Natural charisma, if you will. There's also the fact that he's been repeatedly pushed for far too long. There's no way he should be champion at the moment, and I have to wonder what his career history would look like if he hadn't married Stephanie. He's undoubtedly got a very good wrestling mind, and NXT is ultimate proof of that, but as a performer himself, not my thing at all. Carl Dixon on the Facebook page says, I would have to go with Triple H or Stephanie. Stephanie, because from the moment where she took over creative, Triple H went over Angle in their love triangle feud when it made no sense. WWF have continually bumblefucked their way through existence with either Vince's dumb decisions or Stephanie's TV writers giving goofy characters and making poor decisions. Triple H because I've never enjoyed his work personally. As a snob I thought Regal did it better and as a degenerate Sean was better and Triple H came off as someone who had a man crush on Sean and tried to copy him. I hated the reign of terror he had over Raw from 2002 to 2004 where he slaughtered all of WCW's up and coming guys who should have all dethroned him. I hated how Ric Flair became his personal kiss ass. I don't even like the current pseudo shoot end NXT Triple H because it feels phony. People like to think that he'll be a great change for WWE when Vince is gone, but looking at things like the Triple H punk feud, he's still the same fuck nugget with a shovel, burying people to put himself over and taking credit for ideas that weren't his, pushing his guys who are boring and have no talent like Sheamus and Reigns. Uh, Paul Taper on the UK fan form says Stephanie McMahon would be an excellent choice, if for nothing else, after being promoted far above her station to the head of creative, ushering in the era of script writing teams because she doesn't understand booking and also because a booker would always have the upper hand on her and where things are going thus lessening her value which has led to the micromanaging hideous promos that everyone no matter how many years of experience they have must do Ambulance Chase on the UK fan form also votes for Stephanie fucking McMahon every time I hear the opening to her theme song the raw fireworks and pyro ends and that starts I just beg for my laptop to crash her fucking stupid school nativity standard overacting the way she talks down to talent and never gets her comeuppance the way in backstage interviews she appears taller than the wrestlers and literally looks down on them the way she has I play a bad guy on TV in her Twitter handle. The way they show her at charity events and the next fucking segment is her being a vile heel I'm supposed to hate. The fact she can't book wrestling. Her fake tits. Everything about the cow. That's a bit harsh. As Vince Vince Russo said, it was the biggest mistake the company ever made and one they have still not recovered from. I'm going to say yes to Steph and no to Triple H. Her performance like as a character... I think it's hit and miss. I think she has had some good moments. I also think she's been absolutely atrocious as well. Um, so she's pretty much a, a straight yes for me. Uh, Triple H, it's 
a little kind of tricky. It's, a, it's quite. I think it's quite easy to probably assume yes, but then you would kind of miss out on certain things if he wasn't around because he kind of did stick his finger in a lot of things you know like you, if 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 you were if you were a fan if you were a fan of um if you if you're a fan of obviously the early dx stuff the ladder match with the rock which even though like you know admittedly it was the rock that drew me back into wrestling it was that match he had with triple h that got me back in uh his uh, his matches with foley whether it was as, as cactus jack or mankind whatever i always enjoyed those his storyline series with with batista which is well booked and well executed. The stuff that he did with Daniel Bryan, I think, had a lot of, of merit and benefit to it. There's there's enough pros to him having been around to warrant him not going into Room 101. With Stefan, it's just it's a straight yes for me because she's been around long enough and there's been that many insufferable moments and bits that I can't stand that negate any positive she may have done. And that's just on screen. If you want to go, if you want to relitigate all the... the backstage creative nonsense you can that's a that's a big black mark against her as well so she goes in on that basis Triple H to me it does boil down to just how is the run in 2000 good enough to negate everything else because I don't think he adds anything to the DX Shawn Michaels run I'm adamant he doesn't need to be there he really is just on the coattails. He really is the disciple. No, yeah. no one, no one during these, these that early. That no one cares years. for aristocrat Triple H. The reign of terror in two thousand and two and two thousand three. You mentioned Batista there, G. Mm-hmm. But Orton has to get buried in the process before they get to that. The authority stuff, you know, the heels just come out far too often on top. You know what? I, I realise this by the way, not to interject too much. No, but I, just to your point, I only realised this the other day. Austin Vince, which is obviously what you know, the authority thing. Every heel authority figure, and Max Power on the UK fan film actually nominated a heel authority figure as a possible 101 mm. candidate. Everything's parodied off this Austin Vince thing that only lasted in its actual full incarnation till fully loaded '99, about 16 months. We've had two and a half years of the authority. I didn't realise that until the other day. But bar a three-week period where they disappeared off TV. Oh yeah. yeah. You mentioned the Daniel Bryan stuff. Brian was over before the Triple H involvement, and let's face it, they they were basically you know hogtied and forced into putting Brian in that position. Now, I, I don't give Triple H any credit for that, really. Um, <laughs> good matches at Mania or not, and even two thousand, even in his even in his what I'd call his peak year, we talk about the the love triangle, in which he decides he's then not going to turn babyface and completely fucks up the angle, and makes Kurt look like a bit of a doofus in the process. And can I also add beating Chris Jericho when he shouldn't have? Fully loaded, yeah, absolutely. She warning himself at the top here against Steve Austin again. Winning the main event of WrestleMania, he probably shouldn't have. And for all those reasons, <laughs> listeners, for me, he's going in. Yeah, it's definitely an easy one. Such a detriment, uh, both backstage and the way the characters are portrayed and how everyone's subservient, it's been said, ad nauseum. Triple H, yeah, it's a tough one. And yeah, the 2000 run is, is the one, but... With Triple H, for me, it's if it was anyone else who got the push, who could go. I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, he's good. But if anyone else got the push against Rock, would it make a difference? <laughs> if if Triple H has never been put in that position, he's, he was never born. Does it make a difference? No. The the only difference is you probably got more of a chance of someone else getting other guys getting pushes over the last fucking sixteen years. So. He's in for me. Wow, I wasn't expecting Triple H to go in. So that's that's that was a, a no from you, G. Mm. 
and two yeses opposite the table. Yeah. And Stephanie's already in. Stephanie's already, Stephanie's already in, in, and and, and I, I do want to actually make the point of saying that I want to in as well. I want I want a clean sweep for Stephanie because I think, and, and it's not like she's not a good performer now. She's actually better than she's ever been. Triple H, I oh, fuck me. If he's not there, uh, if he'd never been born. I imagine it probably would have been someone like Jericho who ended yep. up in that spot yep. or Angle who would probably have been better if, yep. if he had ended up with Steph if Unforgiven but all of those guys didn't have the longevity that Triple H had they all, they all ended yeah, up out of the company the, for long. the Triple H factor is a, is a key in that longevity of other guys because they got, they got cut off at the knees by him mm. and his longevity is predicated by his associations yeah, within the company his, his longevity isn't through Based on talent and it's, contribution it's, alone. Exactly, it's it? not based on his contribution to what he means. It's through proxy. Mm, so. Yeah, I see. Okay, so I think on this basis, that's kind of swayed me. I, I think I'm going to put him in. I'm going to go... Stephanie's in, obviously. Triple H in just about, because I do think, you know, good as he's been at times, the amount of potential damage he's actually done to the number of careers that he yeah, has, I think, puts him in. And, and the, the amount of... He's, like, he's a well, false they, case, because the amount of protection they, he's got they still, they still is unparalleled. stars anyway. Yeah, they still yeah, yeah like the scene of Batista, Batista. Yeah, and I just think the, the downs the, the downturn in, in WWF business in two thousand and two two thousand and three was in part because he just fucking insisted on being the top guy at a time when he shouldn't have been. So yeah, actually for that reason, one hundred and one. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Steph and Trips both go in. <laughs> We're going to do a lightning round here because we've got so many nominations that I don't want to uh, disrespect anybody's vote. So King Liam on Pro Wrestling only says Jimmy Valiant. Yes or no around the table. The Boogie Woogie Man. You get, there's a glass table joke I know you want to make, Carl. I know you do. I'm going to say yes because I never liked him. Again, one word answers here, yeah, people. Yeah, No. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Laz on Pro Wrestling only says Rob Black of XPW yeah, fame. Absolutely. Yeah. Check out Wrestling Scummiest Moments <laughs> Part 2 for more on Mr. Black. But yes, he's in. Yeah, cunt goes in. <laughs> uh, Luke Moore on the Facebook page says The Great Carly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just for general ins- insult my intelligence. Yeah. Niall Clark on the Facebook page says New Jack. Yes. Die! <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll go yes as well. Bad News Gurney says Tourette's Gold Dust. No. <laughs> <laughs> no! I found bits of that funny. No. Go <laughs> to gold dust in general. Winged Eagle on Pro Wrestling only says The Miz. Yeah. No. No. Yes, but it's a split vote, oh. so unfortunately he's safe. Uh, Cobra Gordon on the UK fan form says it's got to be Taz as a commentator. Yes. What an irritating orange shirt wearing git, he says. <laughs> uh, I'll say yes. I'll say no. I think the period of him being good has been far outweighed by the bad, and he was absolutely shite in TNA, so... Just commentary. Just commentary. Yes. All right. Taz is in Room 101 as a commentator. JBL as a commentator. No. Yes. No. Come on, Carl. Uh, uh, no, well, yeah, right, it doesn't matter, yeah, but yeah, on, on the basis I said no to Taz, I've got to say no to JBL, because my, my logic for the two is along the same lines. Not their fault. Big seventh letter on the UK fan form says Alberto Del Fucking Rio. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes. Absolutely. Room 101. Log on Pro Wrestling only says Shawn Michaels and so does Yo-Yo's Rumi. The reason, the reason being I blame him for wrestling turning from I want to be the champion uh, to I want to go out and put on a great show for the fans. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'll, I'll say no to this one quite easily. General Shawn Michaels. Just General Shawn Michaels. 
Although no. Log did say post rockers, so I guess you like some of the rockers. No, but... if if they, if they specified, you know, asshole Sean era specifically, like his backstage politics, then maybe. It's but, what he's but, best. But just, but just yeah. him in general. The DX stuff if but, you do that. Just him in general. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his reason was, I feel if you take Sean out of wrestling history, Triple H doesn't become prominent, so it's a twofer. <laughs> That's that 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 is good logic, but we've no. already got rid of Triple H anyway. So. Yeah, I see. So GN Wrestling on F4W says Kane from '99 to the present day. Yes. It's a shame we can't go back further than that, yes. Just yes, to... yes for me, I'll speed this up, he's in. <laughs> Sorry. No. Uh, indifferent. King Pitkos on the UK fan form says, CM Punk from 2012 to 2014. No. No. Nope. No. no. Not for me. Undefeated Steak on the UK fan form says, Chris Jericho from the early 2000s to 2015. Goofy, unfunny, cringeworthy Bart Simpson impersonator. With that great run he had in 2008 no yeah, no yeah no for me as well if you specified the last three years I'd agree but no Wyatt Sheep Mask on the UK fan form Naked Midian yes yep yep oh my eyes yes <laughs> um <laughs> Innovator on TPWW form says Muhammad Hassan yes so I don't have to keep reading about people glorifying his run he says mm. who glorifies his run there's a lot of people who uh, uh yeah I'll put him in I, I, I didn't like it at the time he was yeah. actually quite an awful wrestler which a lot of people tend to overlook he was the shit mm. I'm never, never a big fan of Davari either for that matter and he got to stay there for a long time no you'll keep well too bad no. he's in yeah. <laughs> and uh, Slicky Tricky Damon on TPWW says the Steve Austin alliance leader period cause of the what chant no it did tank the business <laughs> yeah, well, if, we, if he specifies it as Steve Austin's heel run I'd say not just yes oh hell yes yeah, alright <laughs> I think I'll go with that too I think it was an yeah. absolutely atrocious uh, idea I, I, yeah. as a performer lovely yeah, yeah. Listen, oh, that's the problem though again it's, it's not performance based performance based he did very well with a bad hand well, nah I want to banish it because it never yeah. should have happened yeah yes to the heel turn yes to turn <laughs> heel again to join the alliance and yes to the fucking what chant he did make room 101 <laughs> With that said, we have run out of time, and uh, if we didn't get to your nominations this time, we apologise. We perhaps will return to this Room 101 concept for uh, other elements of professional wrestling in future, depending on your feedback to this show. We will be back next week. As we said, we're looking to rebook uh, the WWE in the year 2006, so we'll be looking for your suggestions and ideas for uh, how to do things a little bit differently than they did at the time. So that's going to be a really fun one next week. Looking forward to it. And again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, for G. John Chase. So fun. She's so fast. <laughs> for Carl Jones. Bingo wings and everything. And for Kieran O'Rourke. Shout out Johnny Cumdick for the hospitality last weekend. Keep it real, son. I am Liam O'Rourke and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. More like buffalo wings. Yeah, you wouldn't mind eating them, though. <laughs> <laughs>